Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. in London. This week, 82 years ago, Kristallnacht happened. It was the Nazis warning shot across the bow of our human civilization that led to genocide against a whole identity, and in that tower of burning books, it led to an attack on fact, knowledge, history, and truth. After four years of a modern-day assault on those same values by Donald Trump, the Biden-Harris team pledges a return to norms. And uh, I'm, I am, for me, it's not about the win or the loss. It's about the process. You know, not the quarry, but the chase, not the trophy, but the race. I won the race, and you need to be confident that you're winning your race, whether you win the vote or not. It's about... And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 15th of November, year of our Lord, 2020. And wasn't that nice as we... Totally tear my script up today because a lot happened last night. We start with the media hate, which feeds really well into the mega march, which resorted, uh, re- resulted in what we knew it was going to result in, violence from the left towards conservatives. Then we have a dem that said, I won. And just to throw it all in, Here's MSNBC losing their lunch and Cuomo. And once again, plan for effect. All this fruitless denial begs the question, when will Donald Trump finally acknowledge the reality of his loss in the words of our vice president-elect? And that's why dude gotta go. Dude gotta go. Congressman, I have to start with you. This appears as though we are in a national security crisis. If this president is just saying, I won't go, I'm calling uh, the election fraudulent and I will not leave the White House. Will we see this president dragged out on the White House lawn like a 1980s episode of Cops? Like literally, people are concerned that he won't go. What, What will happen? Well, and people are concerned. Some are wondering if he'll even show up uh, at the swearing in of the new president. However, the, the, the law is clear. The Constitution is clear. Uh, the Secret Service guards the White House and the sitting president. If the sitting president is Joe Biden, then Donald Trump is a trespasser. So he has to be removed. So he can throw all the fits he wants to uh, and not want to leave. But at the end of the day, the Secret Service will do their job. Was this overwhelming support for Donald Trump in the 2020 election a vote for Trump, or was it a vote against Biden-Harris with the emphasis on Harris? Well, I think that it's really the maintenance of the status quo is what it showed. Yeah. So white women have been voting 
narrow majorities of white women or pluralities of white women have been voting for Republican candidates for the better part of 70 years. And I think one of the important things that we can hopefully take away from this election is that these are longstanding patterns that are unlikely to change. And so this idea that Molly mentioned earlier, that kind of women, white women are the better angels of, of white people, and because we experience sexism and misogyny, which we do, that we somehow are more aligned or more empathic towards the oppression that people of color and particularly black Americans experience in this country. Like That has been routinely discredited at every point throughout history. Not only have white women and majorities of white women voted Republican for the better part of 70 years, white women have taken an active role in the maintenance of white supremacy. And that has not changed over over the course of generations. And so we still see those legacies today, whether it's Amy Cooper or the permit patties or white women that have weaponized their identities um, against especially black men who threaten their privilege. These are long-standing entrenched patterns. Now, the one point that Rachel just mentioned that I do think is worthwhile paying attention to and that I do think sort of this exit poll data obscures is that I think one incorrect takeaway from this election is that therefore we just wash our hands and say, okay, we're no longer speaking to white women. Like they're going to do what they're going to do politically. Their interests are their interests and there's no point. And actually I think that's where kind of delving into the subgroups of white women and particularly looking at those white college educated women who did appear to swing this election where there has been real infrastructure built post-2016 that is doing real organizing in communities that's not just swooping in with some ads in the weeks before the election, but that is really using white women's networks in those communities to organize, that does appear to make a difference. And not only that, I think we have to look at the fact that for the better part of 40 years, we have had a vast right-wing organizing machine in this country that has explicitly targeted white women. And so the notion that kind of white women are just going to do this I think, you know, in a country that's so rooted in white supremacy, it probably is the default position. But it doesn't mean that we don't organize. And I think one of the takeaways is that we have to look at where that organizing happened and the difference that it made. And there are examples of that. Happy Veterans Day to the men and women who serve now and who did serve and to the families, the husbands and wives worrying at home, the kids with missed memories, the brothers and sisters and loved ones wondering when those who risk it all for us to have it all will be home. Thank you to each and all of you. We appreciate, certainly I appreciate, your service. And may we take the message of this day, the ideal of putting nation before self, even committing to the ultimate sacrifice, more to heart. Yeah, I'm politicizing it. And I'm looking at you, GOP enablers. And you know why. Veterans Day came from Armistice Armistice Day, Eisenhower renamed it. Armistice Day was when both sides laid down arms in World War I. Uh, The date was to mark the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918 when it ended. Well, it is the 11th hour now, after this election. And these GOP cronies know it is over. Shame on you for allowing crazy to become contagious as COVID in your ranks. Why do you think Trump is ousting Pentagon leadership and loading up with loyalists? Loyal, loyalists? Maybe it's for troop withdrawal. Maybe it's to get Russian information released. 
And maybe it is because he is twisted enough to try to do something way worse. Remember who said nothing. Remember their shame. The president-elect, Biden, he's doing what he can. He's meeting, planning to take on the pandemic, you know, the one where all the numbers are now in crazy, scary territory, and Trump hasn't even mentioned it. Does it sound like someone his party should placate? Now we hear not only is this administration denying security briefings to the president-elect, but they're blocking Biden from receiving a stack of messages from foreign leaders. Again, this goes way beyond Trump. Trump is toxic. Surprise. However, the real surprise is the blame that must be put on those who ignore and therefore empower. And those who say this should just run its course. Running its course means transition. And they know it. I'm telling you. Remember the people who are enabling this fraud. They must answer for defending Trump's delusions. They are remaining silent when it matters most. Most Republicans in Washington, did you know, they won't even say President-elect Biden in public? You know who else is doing that? Vladimir Putin, President Xi, and Kim Jong-un. Great company. The best they can be, apparently, is Senator Langford from Oklahoma, this guy. He sits on the Homeland Security Committee. Now, he won't call Biden president-elect either. He does say, though, he should get the daily security brief. Can you believe that's the best in their ranks? Even Karl Rove, remember him? He penned an op-ed saying this is over. Karl Rove. You know how toxically partisan you have to be for Karl Rove to be more fair to Democrats than you? And remember, the shame is that this is a game for them. Shame on them. A wax museum is less cold-blooded than these people are. And let them know they are going to lose way more than this election. This matters. What they're playing at now matters. This isn't tax, don't tax. This isn't who lies, who doesn't lie. This is what lies at the heart of our democracy, and they know it. Hillary Clinton, say what you want, she promptly conceded, even though she spanked them in the popular vote. Why? That's what our system demands. Other Democrats swiftly came to terms with Trump's victory. I really do want you to remember those in Congress who say there are irregularities in voting, but they show no proof. And no, this is not about shaming Trump supporters. Don't fall for that. This is about shaming those who want to keep this country from coming together, left, right, and reasonable. And these people in Congress are compromising you for their own political convenience. In the process, they are delaying much-needed help for too many. People are sick and starving in this country, and they know it. Why are they surrendering the needs of the many for the needs of one? Sources tell CNN... They expect Trump to tease a 2024 run when he does finally acknowledge the results. Those sources expect Trump to dismiss the 2020 race as a fraud with no proof. And hinting, I'll be back. Sure, this may all work out well for him. But the rest of the Republicans are submarining your democracy in the process. This is not 
America first. It is Trump first and only. You need more proof? Just today, the CISA, that's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, part of Homeland Security, Trump's own administration, obviously, says in a new statement, in boldface, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. Why won't the cronies in Congress own that? Why won't they put you first instead of Trump? Together as ever as one, no matter who you voted for, whether you voted at all, this has to be about us. It's our only way through. And those who should be serving us, doing their job, but they're only serving their own dilatory druthers. Every day they talk about Trump's cause, they abandon your own. They're not even talking about, let alone acting on, the worst pandemic numbers to date. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing to do differently. We're dying at a faster rate, and they're doing less. They promised stimulus post-election. Remember that? Where is it? 709,000 more Americans just filed for unemployment. First time. More people are on food lines than at any time since the Great Depression. What happened to America first? Mr. McConnell. Leader of the Senate, he won't answer if Biden should get classified briefings, even though he's entitled to them as the president-elect. And no movement for stimulus by him. I can keep exposing the hypocrisy. But wouldn't it just be better for them to just do their damn jobs? They want you to think votes for Trump were fraudulent. And yet they also want you to think that all the votes for Congress on the same ballots are okay. All the wins for Republicans. All the state legislative wins, they're good. But the Trump ones, oh, I don't know. Once people believe in absurdities, they are capable of atrocities. Voltaire was right, and these trumpets are wrong. Yeah, so today's show was supposed to be how the media is still very, very hateful, the narrative that binds perfect. A few more fraud things, because I was going to let it go, but I just, the more this Dominion program... And today we have Dominion, so briefly. And that was a podcast. But last night, everything devolved into craziness. Just craziness, because that's what they do. So, up front, a couple tweets I want to cover that kind of frame like that audio. Stonewall Jackson, a whistleblower inside Dominion voting system, has come forward, claimed software company changed 3.8 million votes stealing election for Biden. I'm actually hearing it's three whistleblowers. They came forward, and they are all willing to testify. Now, if that's true, it's fucking huge, right? Just huge. And you have normal people who are digging in the code. And this person on Twitter won't say it so they don't get doxxed, fired, and beaten. They found it. It took 8 to 10 decimal places out. But that adds about 4,000 extra votes for every 400,000. This means that it only takes a few regions to flip a national election. Let everybody know this is direct from Edison API, a company. And it's there, but Molly Hemingway sums up our media. D.C. braces for rallies by Trump supporters 
who falsely claim he won election. Her type, her tweet. This type of absurd and malicious headline shows both why the media have no sway whatsoever over half the country, but also that big media is no longer bothering to pretend to be anything other Democrat operatives. And that's why last night, nothing was covered. They covered nothing. They they ignored it all. And it wasn't just a few instances. All right? If you go to Andy NGO's feed, it's shocking. I mean... I'm going to play two sound bites, okay? One is a reporter shocked that so many people came. And then two, prior to the march even starting, people were attacked. in the background nine minutes of just initial stuff and then i'm going to open up videos and read stories from the event so in a lower roar in the background as i'm talking you'll hear nine minutes of attacks but here is cnn who is horrified mega was going to march Ryan, the president's supporters, they've poured into the streets of Washington this weekend to try to give life to these unfounded and baseless claims of a rigged election. I mean, we literally had far-right groups, like the Proud Boys, marching down Pennsylvania Avenue. This election is over. How did this become normal? Well, because the president... Self-awareness, we just don't have it over on CNN. And the best way to do it is Drew Holden. Mega thread drops self-awareness hammer on CNN journals warning about sharing disinformation. This is just one subject, but it fits really well. Jim Scudo, 
Don't share disinformation, even for hot takes. It doesn't help. Disinformation dies without oxygen. Let's move on from crazy. It appears that Jim Scudo is worried about sharing disinformation to order score retweets. Well, I think Jim should take up with Jim Scudo over the last four years. He shows one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six, forty different Jim Scuto tweets that were lies. I mean, you can guess it was, it was fucking, you know, the usual, uh, all the Russia shit, Donald Trump's line about being wiretapped. But they were, they were horrified. So in the background, I, I'm going to play the nine minutes. Here it starts. Let me turn the volume down. That's pretty good. There you go. You, you can hear it in the background. So this is nine minutes of stuff. All right. So we start with, um, look at the picks. Politico estimates about how many Trump supporters. Dan Scavino. Amazing. Can you hear all of them from the West Wing? Colin made a beautiful day in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Patriots. Molly Hemingway, a crowd realized how massive rally is jokes start flying about how media will claim that there are a few thousand people here. Politico, hold my beer. A week after the presidential race was alleged, was called for Joe Biden, hundreds of Trump loyalists converged on the nation capital to protest the election results and falsely assert the vote was stolen. It, it's way more than hundreds. Well, more than hundreds. Uh, the, the the media coverage on this, which ignored the vi- the violence that you're hearing in the background. Moments ago, Trump supporters rushed to see President's motorcade, the Hill. Do you remember that people had votives for Obama? Washington Post, the the braces, Molly Hemingway. This type I already read it. Uh, Fuseligi Spock. It's revealing how WAPO treats Trump supporters 10 days after the election versus Stacey Abrams years after she lost. Dr. Cranky braces, as in boarding up windows, locking up shops, transferring inventory to warehouses, stocking up on fire extinguishers. That, they all did this. Mary Rice Hassan, WAPO, New York Times, MSNBC, CNN are marketing departments for progressive activists. And it just goes on and on. Because they didn't want to cover this shit. They didn't. I mean, you hear it. Those are people getting beaten. And the cops literally were... Here it is. Irony spotted videos of Antifa outnumbered and being protected by a line of police at pro-Trump rally. Do you not think the mayor told them to do that? And what were they doing? Yeah, that, that's the national anthem. They were singing the national anthem at the time. But a large group of black bloc was over there, and the police were guarding them, not the people that needed to be guarded, because, you know, why would we do that? After attacking them earlier in the streets, Anafon BLM now harassed Trump supporters at restaurants and hotels in D.C. So I'm going to stop. It, it goes on. Nine minutes. That was uh, three minutes of a nine-minute soundbite. Three minutes. That's that's all you heard. But it's nine minutes of just individuals. 
that don't include what I'm about to play. They, they're not added in that total because it was the beginning. This was during, before, or right after. It went deep into the night. Violence, attacks, uh, starting fires. Uh, none of it, none of it was covered by the media. Not own, not Newsmax. Nobody covered it. I flipped around to look for it because it was all over Twitter. Here's multiple Trump supporters spotted by, uh, assaulted by pro BLM supporters in Washington D.C. One of the supporters assaulted was brutally knocked out. That's him getting knocked out right there. They're gay guys too. They're gay Trump supporters. BLM group threatens elderly couple and attempts to steal their Trump flag. Uh, she's probably 70. DC, a man was physically assaulted in front of Union Station. His face bloodied. Oh, he's fucked up. He can't even stand up. This one is the one that just angered me beyond belief. All right. Th- this is just hot fucking garbage. Just hot garbage. This is people throwing explosives at restaurants. Like multiple. Just tossing them at them. You know, what the hell? You know, it's, it's, that's, that's normal. That's normal conduct. This is a young couple. The girl is screaming. She's scared. They're throwing liquid on her. They're punching at her. Now a black woman comes up tries to snatch her hat and then they hit her with a uh, club and they're just trying to leave they're just trying to walk away but that that's acceptable now they're following down the road still throwing stuff at them now that's acceptable that's that's what we do that that's normal conduct you know there's nothing wrong with that here's a hat burning personal property they stole them and there's press. There, there's the, the media is there, lefties, filming it as they bring in hats that they stole from people, and they're burning them. Big fat black gal. Nah, that's fine. Yeah, you're okay with that. Uh, this one. This man's maybe seventy. He's riding his bike, and he has a basket on the front. They throw him on the ground. They kick his bike. They kick him. Yeah, I'd go to jail on that one. This one, uh, they, they have a banner, Black Block. The media could have reported this. Punch Mega in the face. BG on the street. That was before the march even happened. Black Block was there. Here's a family attacked, and they're black, and they're getting attacked by white people. There's a black mother, two kids. She's got a bullhorn. She's talking back to them. 
They're trying to assault them, trying to steal their flag. Because that's normal. That That's normal conduct. This is what we do. Now they're beating up a guy with a mega. He's got a Gatson flag. And now the little kid just got knocked on the ground. The little girl was smashed against the fucking fence. And she's bleeding. But that's normal. That's what we do. Now the little black girl's screaming. Finally a police officer shows up. Oh, and, and they're they're fucking with the guy with the flag because he was trying to hold him off with the flag. That's normal conduct. That's what you do. You know, that's acceptable. Those Biden voters have every right to do that. Because you're a Nazi. Remember, you're a Nazi. That That's what they say. Because you don't vote like them. You're a Nazi. Back to Drew Hernandez. I guess I don't need to yell anymore. Uh, BLM and Antifa threatened and intimidated an elderly Trump supporter out of BLM Plaza. Unloaned liquids could be seen thrown on the elderly man. Also to hit him with an American flag. I won't play it. Uh, Antifa members attack people who are eating dinner through projectiles and large fireworks. That's a different one than when I played. D.C. police rushed to protect the entrance of a hotel near BLM Plaza. This one? They lit the hotel on fire. They threw objects through the windows that appeared to be bricks. They get stacked all the time, and that's okay. Andy and Gio now, uh, unable to rush the lobby of the Capitol Hotel in D.C., a mob of BLM and Antifa are standing in the streets, shining lights and lasers in the building. Here's a video. Yeah, that's harassment. It's okay. It's all right. You know, it's it's all good. That Mayor Browser doesn't have a problem with that. Anti-Trump crowd burned pro-Trump clothing in the streets. This is a different one. Flags they stole, hats they stole. It's just personal property. Go fuck yourself. Uh, boys, these Antifa idiots are just so classy and brave, aren't they? And I forget to mention the tolerance. Antifa Black Block try to open the door on a vehicle, leaving Million Man March. After finding out the door is locked, the mass militants attack the car. And let's play it right off Twitter. This this is normal conduct. You know, this is what you do. This this is Nazis and shit. Yeah, he broke the window. Now they're flipping everybody off. Now they threw rocks at him. Yeah, that's nice. That's normal conduct. That's what we do. Joe Biden, to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as enemies. We may be opponents, but we're not enemies. We're Americans. Oh, really? That's what we are. Are you sure about that? Because I'm pretty sure what I witnessed on Twitter last night that was ignored by the entire media complex. We're enemies. 
It just tells me I can't go out and have any type of freedom of speech. Because if I do, I'll be attacked over and over and over. Because our media, and it's a good place to stick it in, here's the new MSNBC promo. Okay, we have an announcement to make. Joe Biden is president-elect of the United States. There are days that leave an indelible mark on our history. Senator Kamala Harris, now vice president-elect. Days we remember where we were when it happened. Joy is spontaneously breaking out all over America right now. How we felt, who we were with. I feel like we've created a better opportunity and a better world for our children. These are the days that define. Liz, there's this article in the Washington Post that caught my eye, and here's the headline. The gender gap was expected to be historic. Instead, women voted much as they always have. So, Liz, with everything that we've seen in the last four years, a massive pandemic, child separations at the border, an impeachment, attempts to roll back the Affordable Care Act, nothing seems to have changed in a lot of voters' minds. Why? Well, you know, you know, working as we do on the front lines, especially around reproductive health, one thing that we have found at Abortion Access Front are the intersections around single-focused issue, especially when it comes to reproductive rights, with everything that you just named, uh, whether it's kids uh, that have been detained and are in cages. The person who came up with that policy was an activist that came out of the anti-abortion movement with no background in uh, recruiting kids back with their families or immigration. When you look at the Department of Health and Human Services, um, there are record numbers of people who are anti-abortion activists who are running running those departments and in, in, in second-level jobs there do not come with health experience but come with anti-abortion activism experience. When you look at um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, when we talk about systemic racism, what the, what the other side will argue is um, Planned Parenthood kills more black babies than anyone else. So we have found that they lead with abortion almost every single time, and they're putting anti-abortion leaders in place in all of these spaces. And that... Steve, Stacey Abrams helped to register 800,000 new voters in just the last two years after she lost that closely fought, hard-fought governor's race. Uh, what do Democrats need to do to turn the state blue? Because uh, they're, they're up against a lot. For one thing, I just want to point out, uh, according to Jim Clyburn after the election, Jamie Harrison in neighboring South Carolina, after being neck and neck with Lindsey Graham, took a deep dive in the polls after the Republicans hit him with defunding police and a lot of the other socialist memes, none of which applied to his positions on anything. But they just poured so much money in, and he had a ton of money, much more than Lindsey Graham. But with those messages alone, and that's, of course, what centrist Democrats are arguing with Nancy Pelosi, Abigail Spanberger, and Lee Slotkin, mm-hmm. that that messaging from the left doomed a lot of those marginal races. Andrew, you are exactly right. Uh, In a state like Georgia, uh, you've got to have a message that resonates with those swing voters. Now, Stacey Abrams is just, she's a miracle worker. She registered 800,000 more voters. If you take a look at the suburbs of Atlanta, the growth in Cobb County, Gwinnett County, those are generally moderate voters to win those counties. And by the way, the House Democrats flipped the Republican seat, clean flip of a Republican seat in those northern Atlanta counties. How do you do it? 
You can't do it with a message that talks about defunding police. You can't do it with a message that talks uh, that invokes socialism. The, the, the tough part about all of this, as you rightly point out, is those were not Jamie Harrison's positions. I don't believe those will be the positions of, uh, of Warnock or Ossoff, but the Republicans will paint those positions onto them. And what Democrats have to do is be able to... Job. Yeah, I, I threw in the extras there because they're just... They, they just, once again, that, that's, that's our media. So why would they cover any of this? Why would they cover a single thing? It doesn't fit their narrative. And it never has. I mean, I could play 20 years ago. I have media 20 years ago. What they did during Gore and how much they supported it. But all I have to do is go back to 2016. Here are just three examples. Not going to play them. We faked crisis before as Matto as a country. Sometimes they're, you know, multi m- malfunctions. Sometimes they're the brink of nuclear war. Most times it's nowhere in between. On November 14th, Washington Post, Eugene Robinson. If a normal Republican had been elected, I could say the polite and sociable, acceptable thing. I don't support so-and-so, but he will be my president too. And I wish him success, but I cannot wish Trump success. Uh, Josh Wheaton, we... Covered it. He's a fucking evil person. He needs to go away. In 2016, Nancy Pelosi, on objection to Ohio electoral votes after the 2004 election, people must have every confidence that every vote legally cast will be legally counted and accurately counted. Exactly what Trump's saying. Please don't talk about this, about a conspiracy theory. It's not about that. It's not about conspiracy it's about the Constitution, she said. She further goes, there are still legitimate concerns over the integrity of our elections and ensuring the principle of one person, one vote. Sanders, I agree with tens of millions of Americans, are very worried that when they cast a ballot on an electronic voting machine, that there's no paper trail to record the vote in the event of a recount. Twenty seventeen, Nancy Pelosi. Our election was hijacked. There is no question Congress has a duty to protect our democracy. Molly Hemingway. Nancy Pelosi in twenty seventeen claimed our election was hijacked, presumably regarding the Russian collusion, hoax, the media and other partisan activists perpetrated on the American people. Daily Caller, these are the people currently lecturing you about respecting election. And now she's saying, McConnell in for a rude awakening for Biden takes office. That what Mitch Connell is going to find out now, not having Donald Trump in the White House, is going to change his leverage. Oh, do you think so? Because I don't. I, I, I pretty much have a strong feeling that one of those seats, after more violence, that doesn't seem to want to stop on the left, is going to go Republican. It's, it's just going to go Republican. And you're not going to do all that stuff. Even though you want to. But remember, this is nothing new. Showtime documentary smears Reagan as racist 
precursor to Trump. Did I not say that they called him a Nazi? He was a Nazi. Every Republican's a Nazi. Representative Jackie Speer warns the Trump administration that destroying documents is a felony. And, and this is what I talk about, not having a free press. The Mueller team itself destroyed phones. Hillary destroyed phones and fucking laptops like a chimpanzee at a zoo. But there's no, hey, what about them? What did you do? And the best part of all this, Vox, 68% of Americans think the election is rigged. Ronald Klein, Biden's chief of staff in 2014. That's because they are rigged. That's Biden's guy. But when you have a complicit media, as we go out to our first break, which, once again, holiday season's here, and then we come into my original what I was pissed off about. This is what's happened this week exactly like I said it would. MSNBC and CNN and CBS, they've all gone into promotion mode. Because they're for all these 18% of the electorate issues. That majority of people that voted Orange Man bad have no fucking clue are about to fuck them right in the ass. Across the country, self-identified militia groups are becoming more visible, which in part led to concerns over unrest surrounding the presidential election. Last year, the Southern Poverty Law Center, a civil rights advocacy group, identified 181 militia groups around the U.S. The newest episode of the CBSN Originals documentary series Reverb follows the growing militia movement in Virginia. Executive producer Adam Yamaguchi embedded with militia members and spoke with activists fighting to stop gun violence. Mass shootings in Virginia mobilized the fight for change. It is unforgivable to turn our schools, our churches and synagogues and mosques into battlefields. The newly introduced gun safety laws fired up a gun rights movement. But do you have any sense on how they're elect- how they are reacting to the election results and have they accepted Joe Biden? Sure, uh, Kurt, the uh, firearms instructor that we saw in the uh, in the clip we just played uh, has expressed strong support for Trump and his refusal to concede. And this seems to be a fairly widely held view amongst militia members. And they also do believe uh, they, they are not willing to accept Biden as as the president because they bought into a lot of the conspiracy theories that President Trump has peddled in the run up to the election and, and since. Let me also ask you about the, the vice president's tax proposal. He has said that he will not raise uh, taxes on anybody making less than $400,000 a year. But the analysis put forward by the Tax Policy Center shows uh, that, in fact, middle income earners between, uh, making between fifty and $90,000 a year will see an increase of $260. Uh, 
can, so is he wrong about this? Uh, is the tax I mean, it looks like there will be at least some increase for middle income earners under his tax plan. I think they have a different interpretation. And the truth of the matter is uh, the plan has been evaluated by uh, several economic policy uh, groups. And most of them say that no uh, middle class taxpayer will see uh, a tax increase. And so when you look at expanding uh, the Affordable Care Act and all the other things that he wants to do, I think we're on very firm footing. I think the fact checkers uh, will confirm that our plan, in fact, would not uh, raise taxes on the middle class, but those who make over $400,000 a year so we can invest in American people. But, but let me ask you, the, uh, Kamala Harris in the VP debate, uh, Senator Harris said that she wanted to with, uh, repeal the Bush, t I mean, the Trump tax cuts on day one. Do away entirely with, with the law. Now, obviously, the Trump tax cuts lowered, significantly lowered the, uh, the tax rate for, the lo for lower income earners. In fact, the Tax Policy Center found uh, that mi middle income workers, uh, some middle income workers saw $900 a year in tax savings. So repealing the Trump tax cuts, full on repeal, that does raise taxes on middle income earners, doesn't it? No, look, I. I agree, and, and what I agree that that policy center uh, would take that opinion. But uh, what we have seen, and our goal is to not raise taxes on uh, anyone making less than four hundred thousand dollars. So when you see our legislation that will come up uh, day one or day two in the administration, it will not raise taxes on people making less than four hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Well, President Trump still has 71 days left in his term. There are already concerns that he will pose a national security threat once he's out of office. Washington Post reports not only does Trump have a history of disclosures, he checks the boxes of a classic counterintelligence risk. He's deeply in debt and angry at the U.S. government, particularly what he describes as the deep state conspiracy that he believes tried to stop him from winning the White House in 2016 and what he falsely claims is an illegal effort to rob him of re-election. We are back with Frank Figluzzi. Frank, this is a conversation that you and I had after the Big Times reporting about his financial uh, vulnerabilities, his, his, uh, all that he owes to the IRS, how leveraged his company is, came out. And, and you agreed with Pete Strzok, who also felt that Donald Trump was a serious counterintelligence threat, just with that financial picture revealed by the Times. But you add to that the combustion around which he's refusing to accept the result of the 2020 election, and it seems to compound that dynamic. Yeah, Nicole, we, we need to ask corporate security directors of major companies around the country about the threat they face from ex-employees, fired employees, disgruntled employees, retirees who walk out the door with the intellectual property in their head, the secrets of the company, the trade secret, that formula, the recipe, the business strategy, the sales plan, whatever it is. And I'm telling you that it's a growing threat to corporate America. Now imagine a president who essentially is fired and disgruntled and walks out <coughs> with those crown jewels in, in great debt, anywhere, debt estimated anywhere personally from $421 million to up to a $1 billion. And what did we learn just prior to the election? We saw reports that Deutsche Bank, that holds most or much of the president's debt, is trying desperately to sell his loans, get rid of them. They're, they're too high risk. So imagine someone coming along, and this is how I would do it if I were a foreign intelligence service, someone coming along through cutout companies 
and co-opted companies and saying, we'll buy that debt, we'll, we'll take that loan, and then later finding out in an approach to Trump that, you know, sir, we just bought your debt. We happen to be a foreign intelligence power or state-run uh, power. You need to do the following for us. You might ask, what does the president know that's of value that he would trade for bailing him out financially? A lot. The answer is a lot. Now, I may be glad that we have a president that doesn't read his daily briefing every day <laughs> when it comes to this. But he, he understands things like this. The CIA recruited a source inside some prime minister's office. There's a bug planted inside some ambassador's office. He may understand how fast or slow it would take us to respond to incoming missiles. What our defense plan is to defend mm -hmm. Taiwan if China invades. All of that's in his head. All of that could be for sale, and that's why I assert that he continues to be a national security threat even after he leaves, and that the FBI should continue and, in fact, restart their counterintelligence assessment of the President of the United States. Like the ones I used to know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide cows 
being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows it's the most wonderful time of the year. Silver bells, silver bells. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know Republicans for just a moment because both House and Senate Republicans have made it clear that when um, sort of the normal order resumes and when Congress is back in session and, and at work, they're not interested in doing any work that involves legislating or helping people during this awful pandemic that's now taken, you know, COVID has now taken down, I don't even know how many administration officials. We've got Corey Lewandowski being the latest. You can go on and on and on. Mark Meadows, all of these officials, uh, even inside the Trump world, have it. Trump had it. Um, but what they want to focus on is investigating. They want to go after Hunter Biden still. They want to go after the investigations that led to impeachment, a time in which I think for a lot of people, you, you sort of became the modern day Thaddeus Stevens, you know, making your arguments against Trump during impeachment. They want to go after the, the Mueller probe again. Is this what we're going to have to sit through for the next four years? Republicans just doing investigations and refusing to legislate? Well, we, we may. Uh, you know, certainly I think you're absolutely right uh, about um, the fact that this wouldn't be going on right now. Uh, this obstruction of the transition wouldn't be going on if Republicans weren't allowing it to go on. Indeed, that's been the story of the last four years. You wouldn't have the breakdown of the independence of the Justice Department under Bill Barr if Republicans had stood up and defended that institution. You wouldn't have the abuse of the pardon power. You wouldn't have the stonewalling of subpoenas wouldn't have the flagrant violation of the Hatch Act holding convention on the White House grounds, but for Republicans going along with it, and they're going along with it still, and it is just tearing down our democracy. I, I do expect in the new Congress that, yes, they'll continue to try to go after Joe Biden, delegitimize Joe Biden. They won't be interested in getting things done because they'll, they'll feel, particularly Kevin McCarthy in the House, that if we govern well, then it, it beats their ability to change the majority in the House. We're going to have to overcome that, though, Joy, because the American people are counting on us. They need help right away. They can't even wait until January. Zero self-awareness. Those two people talking about anything, about security. That man has been allowed to go on shift and lie at nauseum. And to show that the media is hot fucking garbage... First, 
the Biden people are concerned about the inauguration because they made it such a big thing about the little amount of Trump people and they're afraid a bunch of Trump people will show up. So, Sam Stein, a very, you know, I we fucking love Biden guy. I mean, we, we couldn't call this dude an actual journalist because he's not a journalist. He's he's basically an NBC flack who writes fucking articles for the left and all the their greatness. Biden inauguration planners are dealing with logistical nightmares, not just grappling with the threat of COVID, but also fearing that if their own people don't show up to celebrate, Trumpers will fill the void with heckling and protest on the Daily Beast. Yeah. Morris Boyd Associate. Biden folks ran a great Zoom convention that they buried all the hateful shit and didn't talk about the platform. Let's have a 50-state inaugural in 2021 highlighting the national parks, American farms in each state, poll voters, electors, volunteers, health heroes. Yeah, we need poll watchers because they definitely got us this election. So we need to pay these people back for flipping the vote with Dominion. Sue Matthews, blue check, dem strategist. And, and it leads really well into my last ar- next article. Fuck the farmers. Honor our cities and their museums and theaters and public gardens and business people and office workers who make the welfare money we give to farmers and red states. Unity and shit. That's what they think of you. Denise, bless your heart. That soy latte is going to grow itself. How much corn does New York City produce? Let them eat cake. A painting of a cake. Honor our monuments to ourselves, the sophisticates who built these glorious cities, she says, while trying not to step in the filth and wondering where her next meal will come from. But that's that's what they do. What a small, pathetic person. Blue check douchebag dragged for using Veterans Day to try and dupe Richard Grinnell. Ken Kippenstein. Help me hold intel officials like Grinnell accountable by subscribing to my FOIA lawyer pat- patron. Richard did eventually spawn when all the little blue check journals and pundits took glee in the good nature causing him to be duped by a really disgusting and sad loser on Twitter. He was far more gracious than the editor would have. Richard Grinnell duped. Trying to be helpful to people who reach out on Veterans Day. It's a shame people would do this on a day like today. D.C. is a sick, sick city. But we've talked for five years. They hate vets. They don't count their votes. They toss them in garbage cans, as illustrated by four separate cases in four separate states that our mainstream media is saying, as the New York Times did when we get to our fraud section, there's no fraud. Look away. Nothing to see here. But I see this tweet on Twitter. Aaron Mate, really incredible to see a top U.S. official admit and then top U.S. journalists celebrate that the elected president was delis- deliberately misled on troop levels 
in order to help continue the U.S. military occupation in Syria. We're not supposed to have anybody in Syria. The President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, the office we're told to respect now that Biden's president said to withdraw him. Jim Scuto. Seeing a pattern here? In the Madman Theory, senior DOD officials told me how they fooled Trump into leaving troops on the ground. If you're looking at this tweet, they were definitive about leaving, and then we didn't leave, and now we haven't left. We're still there, and that's a good thing. List silly. U.S. officials have been lying to Trump and the American people about the true number of U.S. troops in Syria in order to deter him from withdrawing them, according to an outgoing Syrian envoy. Trump thinks it's 200. It's not. A newsman replies, all the rich, powerful journalists laughing about never-ending wars their kids will never fight in shouldn't be shocked and surprised, but yet I'm still shocked to see it and that they don't even realize how most Americans see it. The Defense One article is brutal. This fucking twat, Jim Jeffries, continued the Obama fucking Benghazi policy. And since we've been there, three servicemen have died in Syria. Not reported by the media. But we don't care that servicemen die. Do you know what... Do I need to even say it? What would have happened if the military would have ignored... Obama, oh, I know what happened. McChrystal got fired. About 80 fucking flag officers got fired under Obama for not eating the right blueberry pancake. Because that was a joke yesterday about mega marches. And oh, by the way, I forgot to close that segment out because I'm still too fucking angry. That was the joke about eat your pancakes because I guess losers eat pancakes. I don't know. And then Twitter didn't allow the thread BLM violence to, to trend. They allowed Andy Ngo's liar. He's deceptively editing video. We're back into that again. Now we're going to be back into the deceptively edited video for everything Biden says or people say. You'll see it with your own eyes, but you're a fucking lying piece of shit because you don't live in a blue state. But this just, this shit just, it it never ends. Hot air. Refund the police. Minneapolis starts begging for outside resources. Minneapolis police chief pleads for funding to bring in outside law enforcement. Minneapolis wants to draft in extra cops to help fight a wave of violent crime. Brian Kilmeade, utterly embarrassing, utterly predictable. Pete Haggis slams Minneapolis mayor after Minneapolis committee approves half a million dollars half a billion to get people. But with all this shit coming down, does our media cover any of it? No. It's not a big deal. They're happy Trump got lied to so he can restart his war. You know, one of the things that wasn't even put out is there was massive videos with fucking people saying how important it is we continue to fight in Syria. 
It was at the DNC convention, but it wasn't aired. Because they're too busy being butthurt that they won't be able to beat up on fucking conservatives because they're leaving in droves. And we'll start with Brian Steltzer. Right. He he seems to like the opinion hosts right. like uh, Sean Handy more than the, the actual, like, the, the straightforward news. news journalists. Exactly. Yeah. And you're tracking other right-wing media outlets. What patterns are you seeing among his voters? Yeah, well, when I refer to a divorce, it's because there are other suitors out there. There are these smaller right-wing channels like Newsmax and One America News that are further to the right than Fox News. And Trump is promoting those channels right now. Newsmax has seen an extraordinary surge in viewership, still a lot lower than CNN or Fox. But this was a channel that had 50,000 viewers before the election, and now sometimes it has half a million viewers. There's clearly an audience out there uh, for a channel that is so far right that they deny Biden is the president-elect, that they promote voter fraud innuendo all day long and so some Fox fans are going off to other channels instead and it is possible after inauguration day that Trump may do the same whether he wants to launch a streaming service host a radio show or go off to a channel like Newsmax there continues to be a lot of chatter about what his future media platform might be could he end up with a show on Fox News well it's not out of the realm of possibility, but there are definitely other options for this outgoing president, and that's something to really keep an eye on. I think big picture, Pamela, here's the concerning uh, trend line here. People are going more and more into their own echo chambers, mm-hmm. more and more into their own say. bubbles, especially Trump voters. There's this new social media app called Parler getting a lot of attention because conservatives are leaving, saying they're leaving Twitter and Facebook, going off to Parler because they believe Parler is a safer space for them. What we're seeing is even more of a bunker mentality in right-wing media. And ultimately, that's not good for the country. No, it's, it's not good. It's a threat to democracy um, that these people are in echo chambers and they're getting fed a diet of lies, essentially. A diet of lies. Replies to this, uh, Tim Graham tweeted it. It's always a little amusing when CNN worries people are going to their own partisan bubbles. Pamela Brown, daughter of New York Governor John Y. Brown, speaks fluent CNN. It's a threat to democracy, censored by the Ministry of Truth. Is there anyone less aware of reality than Brian Seltzer? He's the poster child for clown news network, self-righteous, grandoise, totalitarian mindset. Safe space? Twitter and Facebook are literally throwing people off and censoring for wrong think. Team Cockapoo. Nice handle. He's a bubble of madness, as somebody tweeted, Bubble Boy. You want to know about lies? Remember after 2018, we were told the wave of liberals and all these women and these women? Or what's the difference between Republicans and Democrats in the House? Republicans hate women, panda bears, koala bears, fuck little fucking squirrels. They're horrible, racist people who are sexist, transphobe, homophobes. Well, in the huge change of 204 seats, two more women may win also. There are now 10 GOP flips in the House. California, 48. Michelle Steele, Carlos Gimenez, Florida 27, or Florida 26, Florida 27, 
Maria Elvira Salazar, Iowa 1. Ashley Hinson, Michigan 3. Peter Meyer, Minnesota 7. Michelle Fishbach, New Mexico 2. Yvette Harrell, New York 11. Nicole Malatakis, Oklahoma 5. Stephanie Bryce, and South Carolina 1. Nancy Mace. Eight of the ten are women, yet we don't have any segments about how woke the left is. We we don't hear that. I don't, I don't know why we don't hear it, but we don't hear it. It's not a theme in our media. In fact, they haven't even addressed how bad the left did in this election. They're still talking about it's a fucking mandate. But it's just not seltzer on the bubbles. Shocked. USA Today warns conservatives shift to alternate media. American crisis of political segregation. We increasingly don't live alongside, associate with, or even marry people who think differently from us. Is increasingly leading conservatives to congregate together on social media outlets designed specifically for people to think like them. Jesus fucking Christ! It's your side who doesn't associate. Do we remember Paige in Oregon? She never met a soldier. She didn't know a conservative. Because Oregon is just all a bunch of libtards. We're just normal Democrats are fucking Nazis. Your city's run by an Antifa supporter in Portland. Which, by the way, there were mega marches in Salem, Albany, just not Portland. Because they weren't allowed to. And to the social media platforms, we just had an election where 350,000 tweets were censored. Facebook dumped everybody for just saying, hey, that state's going to be a recount. They continue, the recent rise of Parler as well as other social media alternatives that appeal primarily to conservatives and that got their start largely by attracting the far right. We always talk about the far right. We never talk about the far left. We never talk about the fucking crazy ass Green New Deal people who want to tear everything down. That's never an article. Ever. raises the specter of further political polarization through digital means. Parler and others like me, we, and Gab are gaining momentum with a promise not to censor their users or behavior that violates the policies of their rivals. Supporters say Parler is preserving free speech and is correcting for the overreach of the mainstream social media platforms, which applied labels to or limited the reach of many of Trump's posts. 111, you fuckhead. But much like the social media site's gab, Parler has quickly attracted the extremist crowd. And we got the Proud Boys again, because now they're worse than the KKK. And why does it upset them? Because so many people have done it. 500,000 in one weekend, Twitter stock plummets because their users is going down. Overseas, 
BBC U.S. election bias sparks Twitter meltdown as viewers call out pro-Biden coverage. Other site, Parler, conservative social network, spikes in popularity. Their membership up 100%. Another article from CNET. Parler downloads soar as conservatives flock to Twitter clone after Biden win. The free speech platform remained the top free app in Google, Google and Apple. So even Apple people are doing it. And why are they doing it? Well, it's more than just Biden in the mainstream media. It's because they're sick of this. Ask Target. Thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. We have removed this book from our assortment. assortment. Abigail Silver, Target.com just made my book disappear. Does it bother anyone that woke activists and spineless corporations now determine what Americans are allowed to read? Do you think it's maybe a problem that you're allowing a random Twitter user to act as your manager? Chad Felix Green, you're responding to someone bragging further down in the comments on how they love to censor views. They disagree with and won't stop harassing and bullying until they remove every little thing they disagree with. That is who encouraged you this, this, encouraged this short-sighted reaction. Apparently, Target is taking requests for Twitter randos to ban books. It's a best seller on Amazon. As a 4.5 out of 5, here's the taste of the description. Until just a few years ago, gender dysphoria, severe discomfort in one's biological sex, was vanishingly rare. It was typically found in less than 0.01% of the population, emerging in early childhood and affecting males almost exclusively. But today, with whole groups of female friends in college, high school, and even middle school across the country are coming out as transgender. These are girls who have never experienced any discomfort in their biological sex until they heard a coming out story from a speaker at a school assembly or discovered the internet community of trans influencers. Helen Joyce. Uh, This goes, come to think of it, we have been hearing quite a bit about transgenderism recently. Check it out. National Geographic doesn't want to assume the gender of a female lived 9,000 years ago. Embarrassingly stupid, Helen Joyce. The team cannot know the individual's gender identity, but rather only biological sex, like gender doesn't always exist on the binary. They can't say whether the individual lived 9,000 years ago as a woman after they found a body in the fucking ground. But science and shit. The book's been reinstated, by the way. You need more? We blew it. Melissa McCarthy apologizes for giving to a pro-life Christian charity. Melissa McCarthy, the actress involved in half-baked comedies like Bridesmaid and Spy, recently took to Instagram to apologize for mistakes she had she had and streaming platform HBO Max made by charity group Exodus Cry. The Christian charity group, which McCarthy donated to as part of her and the media company's 20 Days of Kindness campaign, has a history of anti-abortion and anti-gay comments. During the social media video, which McCarthy made on Thursday, the actress claimed that she blew it, elaborating we made a mistake, and we backed a charity that upon proper vetting stands for everything we do not. And where did it come from? Daily Beast on Twitter.
But when you go through this book shit, here's Target again. Yesterday, removed a book from Target based on feedback received. One offer broad assortment to our guests. We're adding this book back to Target. We apologize. Vocal distancer. Here is an ACLU lawyer saying their goal is to stop the circulation of books and ideas. In case you're wondering how free speech is doing. Here is his tweets. And this is the left. This is going to be in our media every day. This is Biden. This is Harris. Because remember, they said, we have a gender, a, a fucking transgender genocide. And of course, the tweet's been deleted now because that that just makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. Let me go back to the article and see if I can blow it up. Give me a second. Sorry about this. Here we go. I'll zoom it up. Let's get the zoom going. Do, 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 do. There we go. Chase Strangio, Abigail Shire's book is dangerous polemic with a goal of making people not trans. I think of all the times and ways I was told by trans this wasn't real and the daily toll that still takes. We have to fight these ideas which are leading to the criminalization of trans life again. Oh, really? Also, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. Now, remember, Biden's going to use a transgender guy who used to be a SF guy as his defense consultant. So you already see where he's going with this. Somehow, some way, he fears, well, if I don't get that 0.5% of the country demo, we're fucked. Writer won't be lectured to by people who voted for a racist for his take on the thin blue line flag. Adam Schwartz, the most terrifying moment of the entire Trump movement was when they started using their own flag instead of the U.S. flag. It's exactly what Hitler's Nazis did. There you go. You got your Nazis in. You're so cool. Replace the flag of the state with their own party symbols. It's naked fascism. Unlike people beating other motherfuckers for wearing a hat. That's not fascism, somehow. He continues, to the Trump fan club replying this tweet, I'm fully aware it's a thin blue line flag. I understand the origins of it, but that doesn't change the fact that the Trump movement has adopted it on their own. I won't be lectured by anyone who votes for an explicit racist. Replies, interesting how they're all in favor of the pride flag, the American flag with a peace sign instead of the stars, etc. But fly a black and blue flag and you're a fascist. Can any of these folks even correctly define what a fascist is? And my best, the Kraken. Good handle. Dude, take a Xanax. We didn't replace the American flag. There's one right next to it. Yeah. And our last reason why people are leaving in droves. AP, do not use derogatory terms such as insane, crazy, crazed, nuts, or deranged unless they're part of a quotation that is essentially essential to the story. Avoid using a mental health term to describe unrelated issues. Don't say that an award show, for example, was schizo. Dave Media. Reinventing cultural gnomes through words. Orwell much? Another reply. 
That's a great message from the ministry, but I will think and say whatever I damn well please. If it offends you, that's your right, and it's mine to say it. Maybe the ministry itself isn't essential to the story. These people are the fucking fascists. Any way you cut it, they're the fucking fascists. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Todd in Oregon's mother, and surprisingly, she doesn't hate me now because she's a Democrat. And that was so rare that I got a reply back from a, and I hope you don't mind me talking about Todd in Oregon, but I, I got a reply back. And that reply wasn't, you're a fucking Nazi. That's so fucking rare in this day and age. So before we go in and fraud, I'm going to play a segment about a mini, uh, an Oregon, and this is another reason why people are leaving Twitter and social media, an Oregon city councilman, a woman, or it, I don't know what the fuck it is, who called for defunding the police, calling the police over an Uber, and Greg Gutfeld's monologue from last night, because it's really good. The whole defund the police hysteria was a disaster for everyone involved. A lot of people died because of it. They got murdered when the police retreated. Neighborhoods got much more dangerous, of course. But the other thing we learned was just how deeply hypocritical the people in charge are. There's really no depth to their hypocrisy. We've got a new story tonight that tells you how deep it goes. This story begins on November 1st, when a Portland City commissioner by the name of Joanne Hardesty used the Lyft app to get a ride. Now, in case you're not familiar with Joanne Hardesty, she's the member of the Portland political class who made defunding the police her main mission. She's called for $18 million in cuts to the Portland Police Department. She says most calls for help aren't real. So with that in mind, here is a 911 call that Joanne Hardesty made during her lift ride just last week. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, well, I got a lift driver that decided he would just drop me off at a filling station and he wants me to get out, and I'm not getting out of the car and the dog at a filling station. Not happening. All because I asked him to put the window up, but I'm not leaving. He says I have to get out of his car, or he's calling the police, so I decided to call for help. Well, she sounds like a lot of fun. So what's the emergency? 911, what's your emergency? Well, Joanne Hardesty's emergency was the driver didn't want to roll the car's windows up, presumably because COVID. The police arrived and concluded that no crime had been committed. It turns out even in Portland, it's not a criminal offense to have your windows open, though maybe they'll make it one. So in response to all of this, Joanne Hardesty claims that she, quote, proactively called the police because as a woman of color, she was worried that officers would put her in danger if someone called them first. In other words, we have to call the police to protect us from the police until we defund the police. There you go. No one has a right to tell you when you can't be angry. And no one has a right to say you're crazy for being skeptical. 
especially when you've just spent four years patiently enduring the tantrums of sniveling brats known as the media and Democrats depending that you take seriously their daily public meltdowns. They invented hysterical rage and sold it by the gallon. Remember? And now, after years of resistance, these cretins tell you it's time to move on. But that's like Brian Stelter telling you to work out. Yeah, the conspiracy theories will rumble around a little bit. People take a deep breath, breathe into the paper sack, and move on. The rest of the world is moving on. Uh, the Republican Party, which has essentially become the resistance at this point, has not. All of you suck it up. Suck it up like we sucked it up. And if you are not sure that you're comfortable with Joe Biden, do what we did. Find things and then take it to the law. And if the law says it's something to look at, look at it. Which is what's happening now, Whoopi. But I know looking to the view for logic is like looking to a teenage boy for clean sheets. Fact, the media tried to subvert every institution to unseat a president because they lost. They painted him and anyone who supports him as a Nazi because they lost. And they're still doing it, even though they think they won. Check out CNN's resident ghoul. Day assault on those same values by Donald Trump, the Biden-Harris team pledges a return to norms. What a talking garbage can. So you want to know why we question the election? There's your answer. If you believe that Trump is a Nazi, an existential risk, it must be your imperative to overthrow him, by all means necessary. And make no mistake, we've done so before. We just called it regime change. America has interfered abroad for far less than removing this evil monster named Donald Trump. So why wouldn't democracy take a backseat? It already has. And now you see the media mocking those who see this clearly. But that mockery is part of the plan. If you don't accept this election at face value, you must be nuts. Sorry, it's not the case. We're on to you. You jackasses tried to ruin lives, businesses, and families. Nothing was off limits. Justifying thuggery at restaurants, homes. You acted like an invading army. Remember how much the press hated Trump's deplorables? Well, the feeling is still mutual. And now you whine because we question an election where the discrepancies only go in one direction. Funny, every single abnormality favored Biden. He's the abnormal president. But it's not like they had to hide this stuff. Not when the Democrats knew the media morons would provide cover. After all, they told us who won what way too early, wanting so badly to be first. That's not new. Remember when Dewey defeated Truman? But it's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about the damn process. Who does it benefit to call something as soon as possible? America? The voters? Hell no, just the guy you call it for. It's myopic idiocy. Here you have a brutally contentious election fraught with emotion, with violence hanging in the air. We've been building up to this event more than the return of the McRib. So you'd think caution would trump speed? You'd think with so much crap is in question, from intelligence to polling to science to media, we should slow it down maybe a little, especially when trust is minimal? But no, we got to call it ASAP and don't question us because we're the experts. Yeah, the experts, the guys who worried about a new ice age a few years ago, the chumps who were going to make your schools better, your kids smarter. Yet they always miss the point and they never read the room. See, it's about respecting the voters and the process, but that's gone. 
And now there's this, let's start the healing BS. I don't want to hear it, not from Joe and not from the media drones. You demonized us at every turn, so save your hugs for Oprah. And even as they preach unity, loads of libs still vow to make lists to ensure Trumpers never work again. The goal? Shun until there are none. AOC, Robert Rice, Chris Hayes, Obama staffers, Chris Cuomo, their feeble little arms all trying to light the torches. Now, this is not to say we shouldn't remember idiots. We should remember those, for example, who wanted to defund the police, who then called the cops. Like the Portland City Commissioner who pushed to cut the police, but then called the cops on her driver because the windows were down. I paid for a ride, and okay. uh, he canceled it. He says he canceled it. Yeah. So I'm just going to sit here until he sends me another ride. Which is his obligation as a human being on the face of the earth to cancel a contract like that. It's not a crime. That should be remembered because it's so hilarious. As hilarious as the Democrat city tyrants who hate the cops but then hire them to protect their houses from the mobs they celebrate. Fact, everyone preaching unity now would have destroyed you for not using the correct pronoun. They're vindictive creeps, and their blacklisting is fueled only by a difference of political opinion, which is what politics was designed to handle, differences in opinion. Now these little fascists want to undo all methods for civility, laying the groundwork for mayhem. You think 70-plus million Americans are going to take that? Hell no. If Trump concedes and the mob moves forward, they will create an even bigger, scarier monster, it's called Trump 2024, and it will be merciless. So take your best shot now, because after four years of tax-induced recession, bumbling incompetence, economy-killing shutdowns, and identity obsession, you won't stand a chance. You'll set yourself up for the biggest comeuppance in history, a fitting punishment for the loudest, dumbest crybabies on earth. Well, we won't even have to make a list. You'll do it to yourself. Period. Welcome tonight's guest. He's got an impish grin. Said at the outset of this broadcast, I said that this is the culmination of what has been a, over a four-year effort to overthrow this president, to first deny his candidacy, uh, uh, the election, but then uh, to overthrow his presidency. This looks like the effort to uh, to carry out an end game in the in the effort against him. Uh, do you concur? Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's been uh, organized and, and conducted with the help of Silicon Valley people, the, the big tech companies, the social media companies, and even the media companies. And I'm going to release the Kraken. No self-awareness at all. On the back end of that, you heard release the Kraken. And I, I promised I wasn't going to do anymore. But I, I can't, I mean... Nation, the, the, the New York Times, as stated, election officials nationwide find no fraud. Cliff Levy. Pasheep Shakur, this headline isn't true. It should read almost no fraud or no significant amount of fraud. Saying none is always a lie. Every major election has some baseline level of fraud. It's just that it doesn't matter enough to change the will of the electorate. Sean Davis, that headline is up there with Saddam Hussein and Kim Jong-un claiming 100% of the people voted for them. It's so obviously false that it only highlights the total dishonesty and corruption of the Personer Institute making absurd claims. Mark Caputo, Beyond all doubt, headlines like this are dicey. It's probably impossible to have zero fraud when 150 million people vote. 
Voter fraud happens just like any other crime. Now, is there evidence of widespread voter fraud that swung the election? With a question mark. The fact is, dead people voted. It's been proven all over the fucking place. And nobody seems to care. Nobody fucking cares. So, here are some counts. Milwaukee, 169K votes without an observer in a back room. You'll hear a break. Michigan voter system glitch raises some serious questions. Georgia recount, and this is actually a soundbite. Both of these, I'll play two. There's one here, and there's on the other side, where they were talking about this because, remember, in 2018, GOP stole the election from that fat piece of shit Abrams, a Biden voter to Trump supporter, and fraud general soundbite. Enjoy. This is Susan Knox. It's Friday, November 13th. I'm in Cobb County, Jim Miller Park. We are looking at the recount for our president. And if you tell me you could see what these people are doing and which box they're putting this in, I mean, this is horrible for our integrity of our election process. sure that not only do the poll workers know how to use the equipment, but then these technicians are then going to be relied upon to fix any issues. We want to just fly under the radar and do our jobs and, you know, stay away from the news. <laughs> Viewers have been hearing a lot about something called Hammer and Scorecard. First, tell everybody what it is. Well, Hammer and Scorecard, Hammer is a surveillance tool designed to CCAP terrorists started in 2003. It was converted by the uh, Biden administration into a surveillance tool to listen to American people and record what they were doing. Uh, the scorecard is an application like on your iPhone that can manipulate voting data, keep it within 3% so it's not obvious, but switch it from Trump 
to Biden, which the Democrats did in this election. And uh, it, it is clearly one of the most subtle and stealthy ways of changing voting that there is today. And this is the first massive attack in the United States history. So uh, now, there'll be no more free election, Chris, after this one, yes. if we get this issue resolved. Well, General, I got to ask because is there is there verifiable information that uh, the the Trump administration can use that our citizens can see that we that we can say that it was deployed in this election against American voters? Yes, and we will we will show uh, specifically at what time, for instance, in Michigan at zero four hundred on the fourth of November, one hundred and thirty eight thousand votes came in for Biden. Uh, we'll show a whole host of these uh, that around the country in the key battleground states that were attacked at the time and how many votes were met, were changed. And we'll have to compare it manually to the votes that went in to the Secretary of State's office and then that came out, the differential. Because people must, they all realize, I think, that the voting machines are not hooked up to the, elect, to the Internet. There are some in uh, Texas that are, but in general they are. They're bundled, go up to the state secretary of state, and uh, there at certain points they're uh, shifted onto the internet and distributed. I'm I'm telling you across the board. I didn't play the Michigan one because it's 15 minutes long, and it's literally covering this whole thing is a program, and that's an actual general. And within that, the CIA used this to take over other countries' elections. And it was made to flip votes. I've heard that from 10 different sources. I've seen it from nonpartisans, partisans. Even one journalist that this program was made to manipulate. It was supposed to be used in 16 and it didn't work. But if you say that's a conspiracy theory and why I'm doing a brief section again today, how the Iowa caucus app went wrong and how open source could have helped. Do we remember 18? Well, let's remind you. Yeah, you don't say. You'll never guess why Dems warned Klobuchar and Wyden issued a formal complaint against Dominion in 2019. Dominion, Kyle Becker, he's the journalist. These problems threaten the integrity of our elections. Warren, Klobuchar, and Wyden issuing a formal complaint 19 to Dominion voting system. Among the complaints, allegations of vote switching. Now, once again, this tweet has got, uh, this is disputed, blah, blah, blah. But this is the actual complaint. Note that the legal receipt of this document is Staple Street, a major investor in Dominion voting system. And if you go to the picture, which once again, won't let you fucking open shit up on Twitter today. They complained Because it was a clusterfuck. 
It's a Senate.gov IMO media doc. In 2018 alone, voters of South Carolina reporting the machines that switched their votes after they disputed them. Scanners were rejecting paper ballots in Missouri, and busted machines were causing long lines in Indiana. In addition, researchers recently uncovered previously undisclosed vulnerabilities in nearly three dozen back-end election systems in ten states. Guess which states they are, boys and girls. And just this year, after the Democratic candidate electronic tally showed he received an improbable 164 votes out of 55,000 cast in Pennsylvania, the county Republican chairwoman said nothing went right in Election Day. Everything went wrong. That's a problem. These problems threaten the integrity of our election and demonstrate the importance of election system that are strong, durable, and not vulnerable to attack. But they went with it anyway. Because why wouldn't they? They realized how to harness it and use it. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. In Georgia ballots, where the vote only was for president, 818 for Trump, 95,801 for Biden. Ballots where the voters voted for president and at least one candidate, Trump, 2.5 million, Biden, 2.4 million. Do you see why people think it was hacked? Why we stopped counting? President-elect Captain Brexiter. In Georgia, ballots that only vote in presidential race, Trump 93, Biden 283. If that's not clear evidence of electoral fraud, what is? MSM complain about Biden not getting presidential daily briefs. Let's remind them that at this point in 16, Obama was having meetings with Comey and Biden discussing what not to share with Trump while they were spying, spying on him, conspiring to do the coup. Let's think about that. David Chapman. Philadelphia has destroyed all ballot envelopes. This will make identifying marked ballots and ballots arriving post-election impossible. It will also make finding fraud in an audit impossible. And that came after... Let me find it. Um, Damn it. Pennsylvania judge orders that ballots of voters who fail to provide proof of ID cannot be counted. They went to a different judge and said they can keep counting. But that was all there. But they just threw the fucking things out. Sherry Baker, Melissa, saying that she saw 50 ballots. This is one of the affidavits. In stacks being fed into the machine over and over and counted. Then she said stacks of ballot blank ballots filled out and people signing themselves. She watched this happen numerous times in a 24-hour period. I mean, just for a second, if you think the fraud's stupid, why did it take so long to count? Because they were manufacturing votes. Go Trump, Dominion whistleblower, reveals Detroit's election fraud. 40 workers over a 24-hour period scanning stacks of 50 ballots multiple times to count as real votes. Over and over and over. 
Philly election canvas, a list of Republican poll watchers on a no-entry list. About 45 minutes ago, platforms across the board were hit with outages at the same time. I wonder what that's about. You know what it was about? Every person that broadcast Fox News got banned from YouTube. Every person I got Tucker Carlson from was banned from YouTube. Every one of them. Sites where I'd gotten videos. Michigan guy. Which I'm not playing because it's 15 minutes. He's gone. Then we have this guy. This fellow, Eric Krumer, is the head of security and product strategy at Dominion Voting System. Here is some of his Facebook posts for 2016 on Trump and Pence, his Antifa connection. They should alarm every elected official in the U.S. and Canada. Facebook friend, open thread. If you're planning to vote for that autocratic, narcissistic, fascist blowhard and his Christian jihadist Pence, Unfriend me now. No, I'm not joking. Other one, because I won't read it, goes on forever. Where were all you clowns, those of you wringing your hands and clutching your or your wife's pearls now that Trumpet has insulted your women when he was spewing equal vile shit about Mexicans or Muslims or threatening to lock up women? It goes on for pages and pages. I copied it all. Pages and pages. It was all good. We don't need to see that. I mean, he's only the guy that designed it. Democrats, story. Democrats use hammer and scorecard software to produce 160,000 fake votes for Biden in Michigan. This is a Canadian news site. Detroit contracted poll workers for firm owned by key figures in ex-mayoral corruption case. More than $1 million awarded to PIE Management, LLC, created by former Quain Kilpatrick aide William A. Phillips. And they were the people boarding up the window. Where we live, where you have voter ID, you got the match signatures. We actually have a fair election system. There's civilians. We don't contract people to count votes. People volunteer. Thus, my Democrats are always there. Another USPS whistleblower says supporters or supervisors told employees not to deliver Republican mailings. Signed an affidavit. Outsider with USBs and V cards were allowed in Pennsylvania accounting area with no observers present. Michigan Attorney General says Trump campaign lawsuits insinuate blacks are corrupt and incompetent, followed by Professor says legal vote is just racist as welfare queen, super predator, and personal responsibility. That's the Tanishi Coates ex-dude, or whatever the fuck his name is. Arizona Secretary of State, who will certify election results, tweeted about Donald Trump pandering to his neo-Nazi base. Kate Hobbs, real Donald Trump has made it abundantly clear he's more interested in pandering to neo-Nazis than the American people. The American Spectator. You can find this at uh, spectator.org backslash Pennsylvania 
dash voting dash doesn't dash add dash up. And that's it. Why Pennsylvania doesn't add up? Mail-in ballots take on a life of their own. And this is an articulate article saying it is statistically impossible to see what we saw. Brookings Institute. In the popular vote, why wasn't Biden's victory bigger? And within this, they don't realize that they're basically saying the numbers don't make any sense. I mean, does anybody believe Biden got more votes than Obama? Obama. 80 million? Leftists want to move to Georgia to increase Democratic votes for U.S. Senate. Senate. But tactic could be a felony because it is a felony in Georgia. And then we have one of the candidates. This is Warlock. Meet Raphael Warnock. He wants you to know he eats pizza with a fork and a knife. He once stepped on a crack in the sidewalk. But Georgians don't care about that. Georgians care that Raphael Warnock was a proud defender of anti-American, anti-Semitic pastor Jeremiah Wright, who suggested America deserved the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Not God bless America! God damn America! We celebrate uh, Reverend Wright. Warnock said law enforcement officers are gangsters and thugs and a danger to children. He's anti-Israel anti-Second Amendment, sympathizes with Marxists and socialists, and wants to make your neighborhoods less safe. Don't let him fool you with pizza and puppies. Raphael Warnock is too extreme for Georgia. It's been a tough week. The administration opened up the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. Standing there President's family and a few milli mouths evangelical preachers who are responsible for the mess that we found ourselves in both there and here misquoting and misinterpreting the scripture talking about peace Meanwhile, young Palestinian sisters and brothers who are struggling for their very lives, struggling for water, and struggling for their human dignity, stood up in a nonviolent protest, saying, if we're going to die, we're going to die struggling. And yes, there may have been some folk who were violent, but we ought to know how that works out. We know what it's like to stand up and have a peaceful demonstration and have the media focus on a few violent uprisings. But you have to look at those Palestinian sisters and brothers who are struggling for their human dignity. And they have a right to self-determination. They have a right to breathe free. We need a two-state solution where all of God's children can live together. If we can't live together in the holy city, what in the world are we talking about? We hear everybody, Arabs and Cretans, isn't that what the text says? Speaking about God's deeds of power 
but we saw the government of Israel shoot down unarmed Palestinian sisters and brothers like birds of prey. And I don't care who does it. It's wrong. It's wrong to shoot down God's children like they don't matter at all. And it's no more anti-Semitic for me to say that than it is anti-white for me to say that black lives matter. Palestinian lives matter. We need a Pentecostal moment. This guy is another Ilian Omar. Reverend Warnock say, says he wants Georgians to look at his record. We are. And it's an anti-Israel as it gets. This is just one more example. He's trying to run away from it now. But Georgians aren't going to let him. Raphael Warnock, Jewish allies, insists he's a strong supporter of Israel. His opponent, Kelly Lofter, tweeted falsely that he's anti-Israel. This is the media defending him. A report from Jay Insider with a misleading headline teed off scrutiny of Warlock's Israel views. The headline said Warlock signed a letter that likened the West Bank to apartheid South Africa, a claim amplified by ontological news outlets. Any comparison between Israel and apartheid South Africa is sure to anger some American Jews, but the letter was unequivocal about support for two-state solution, which signatories seen endangered by the military occupation. Warnock, unfortunately, this is Noah Pollock, has a long record of hostility to Israel that cannot be dismissed in his article attempts to do quite dishonestly and smugly. If anything, Jay Insider downplays how bad his record is. R. Udorin, how did you let this get published? His statements. First, puzzling ignores yesterday's J Insider Scoop revealing a horrendous 2018 Warnock sermon. We saw the government of Israel shoot down unarmed Palestinians like birds of prey. Second, reporting on the statement Warnock signed just last year, leaving out virtually every anti-Israel trope in it. Gazans, per the Warnock statement, are subject to collective punishment, subjugated, one big densely populated prison run by Israel. And it just goes on. I'm not going to cover it all. Save it for later because we'll hear the narrative coming up how he is America because he's black. I mean, that's, that's his qualification. He's black. That's what the media will say. And if you don't like him, you're a racist. The hits keep coming. Georgia Dem Senate hopeful Reverend Raphael Warnock was arrested on charges of obstructing child abuse. Dan McLaughlin. Raphael Warnock escaped a lot of scrutiny because he was never going to get to 50% in the first round. He ended up with less than a third of the vote. So Zlofner and Collins could focus on bashing each other. Free rides over now. In 2002, when the police investigated suspected child abuse at Raphael Warnock's church camp for children, Warnock was arrested for obstructing the investigation. They'll never ask him. Warnock, Americans must repent for backing Trump and worship of whiteness. It is... If it is true that a man who has dominated the news and poisoned the discussion for months needs to repent, then it's doubtly true that a nation that could produce such a man and make his vitriol go viral needs to repent. You'll know for sure if this fucking thing is super rigged down there, if this piece of shit wins. And then our last little thing before we take a break, go to a short narrative section. Representative Omar has paid husband's political consulting firm $2.8 million. And why do I cover it? 
Well, boys and girls, let's just break this down as simple as possible. If a conservative said anything about Jewish people, you would know about it, but they didn't vet him. Vet him. The reality is his qualification is he's an African-American man. And the demographics have changed. And America isn't white. And white people are bad. So that was the whole qualification. If Ilian Omar was a conservative, A, she wouldn't have got on the cover of Time magazine for being all that and a bag of chips. But you could fucking guarantee, boys and girls, we know where that money's going. So, to close fraud, statistics don't lie. The media lies. And if you believe Biden got over 80 million votes and that we just stopped counting because mail-in ballots are going to be difficult and shit, well, you wouldn't say that if Trump got 80 million votes and election night, we shut it down. Understand, going forward, we're only going to have Christmas music and the bumper's just going to be Christmas because it's Christmas. So enjoy. Bright, bright, the holly berries in the wreath upon the door. Bright, bright, the happy faces with the thoughts of joys in store. White, white, the snowy meadow wrapped in slumber deep and sweet. White, white, the mistletoe neath which two lovers meet. This is Christmas, this is Christmas, this is Christmas time, it's Christmas time. Gay, gay, the children's voices filled with laughter, filled with glee. Gay, gay, the tinsel things upon the dark and spicy tree. Day, day, when all mankind may hear the angel's song again. Day, day, when Christ was born to bless the song of man. This is Christmas, this is Christmas, this is Christmas time. white Christmas just like the ones I used to know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows It's the most wonderful time of the year 
Silver bells, silver bells. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know. Memories, Christmas memories. They're the sweetest ones I know. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley, and I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities, the El Paso, Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, Mid Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible. One-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish the same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 That's Sinclair. And of course, since Sinclair is now liberal, conservatives are concerned about it. But um, I don't know what to say to you. It's pretty much been liberal since day one. Before we get into the worst of election night, which I'm not going to play because it's very long. I'll save it for another day. I want to play some more media just hate. I mean, the amount of hate we are hearing is, well, Jim Acosta, uh, CNN diaper man is the president. Mika hoping the police arrest him. CBS uses a Churchill to label a Nazi. There's been a lot of Nazi this week. CNN dogs if he talks to the media, but now they're dogging him because he won't. But at least the president-elect is talking about COVID and has been all along. That matters. Wearing a mask matters. The president is doing everything he can to sabotage their efforts, of course. And sadly, that is one thing the president is doing that really does matter right now. 
More now from our chief White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. So, Jim, this was the first time we've actually even seen President Trump in over a week. First time I've seen him talk about covid uh, in a while. His uh, loss was further solidified today. The legal battles are falling apart. What's when it, when is the inevitable going to happen? Well, he was pretending in this Rose Garden press conference as if there's some sort of way for him to get back into the White House come January 20th. That's not going to happen. Uh, he was even talking at some point about how uh, he's not going to let this country go into a lockdown, but then proceeded to talk about uh, whatever the next administration will do, um, almost catching himself, acknowledging that Joe Biden will be taking uh, the keys to the Oval Office on January 20th. I, w- I will tell you, Anderson, I talked to a White House advisor earlier today who said, listen, the president is unlikely to ever concede this race, but will likely exit the stage on January 20th as expected. Uh, that is the plan at this point, according to this advisor. And this advisor went on to compare the president uh, to the 1991 Detroit Pistons, who famously refused to shake hands with the Chicago Bulls, who beat them uh, in, the, in the playoffs that year, went on to win the NBA championship. Uh, this advisor said the president just enjoys being the bad boy, and he's going to continue to do that. Uh, but, but putting that to the side, Anderson, uh, what was sad about what we saw in the Rose Garden today, the president didn't take questions. He almost seemed to be out there to soothe his damaged ego. But he was talking about uh, the situation in New York. He was talking about the pandemic as if his policies are going to have some sort of effect on all of this after January 20th, when, of course, that's just not the case. And he's been tweeting this evening, uh, you know, talking about how he's won this state and that state. Uh, We have to pay attention to those tweets now, Anderson, because he's the president. But after January 20th, he just goes back to being another crackpot on the Internet. Uh, uh, Jim Acosta, uh, appreciate it at the White House uh, tonight. This is pathetic. Donald Trump cannot simultaneously have superhuman political strength and still need to be coddled like a petulant child. He's just a lame duck president who lost a free and fair election by more than 5.2 million popular votes. And so Republicans should stop making excuses that enable his desperate delusions because it makes our democracy look even more divided and dysfunctional than it really is. And that's your reality check. You know, there might be an answer. I don't know if you remember this, the idea of having superhuman powers and still needing to be coddled. There was a Saturday morning cartoon called The Mighty Heroes, and there was a superhero called Diaper Man. <laughs> there was. You guys can go look it up. This is a deep cut for me. There was like Diaper this. Man, Strong Man, Rope Man. But there is someone who has superhuman powers who does, in fact, wear a diaper. That may or may not be related. I, I do think that this uh, president, this man, has... Uh, the ability, not just the ability, but the number one sole focus to use everything that he has in his possession for his financial gain. But when it comes to classified information and relationships with uh, foreign adversaries and friends and conversations that need to be had, this is dangerous. And I worry Donald Trump takes information out of the White House and I don't know if we've ever seen someone who wants to abuse information that he took in while in office, but he will. And again, yes. I'll just say that Donald Trump uh, has access to everything. And when he leaves, he continues to have a great deal of information that he could use to his benefit. And his personality has shown that he doesn't have a lot of discipline beyond using information or people or um, relationships to his financial gain. It's always about the money. You follow the money, you end up with what the 
what the answer is to the question, what's with Russia? You look at Turkey. You look at his relationship in Saudi Arabia and how he handled everything. It's all leading to potential past financial transactions that might have been stopped stopped that never came to fruition or future financial transactions and I worry this president will have quite a party uh, with all of this information that he learned as president when he leaves office that is unless Willie um, certain uh, sections of law enforcement uh, come after him yeah he could find himself in a, any number of courts well, it goes against our history, it goes against good governance, and the longer it goes, the deeper it will create divisions in this country about what actually happened in this election. And the president and the Republicans who stand with him will have to bear the responsibility for whatever comes from that. I don't know what that's going to be, but this is not in concert with the way we approach governance in this country. It simply isn't. Everyone knows, all rational Republicans know, these lawsuits are essentially hearsay, meaningless, and distractions. Period. That's all they are. They are delaying the inevitable. Every sensible Republican on Capitol Hill knows that in his or her heart of hearts. And their mute testament and loyalty to the president will only serve to encourage him to resist what is inevitable, the transition of power. And history will judge them harshly. But I will quote Churchill in this one sense about this entire situation we find ourselves in. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. Also this morning, where's the president actually been? If he's so certain about the outcome of the election, why hasn't he come out and said it in person? Is it embarrassment that has kept him from showing his face since last Thursday? Lack of conviction? We're told that today he will attend a Veterans Day event. Unclear whether he will muster the energy later in the day to answer questions. The other thing that's notable, and I just don't think we can, we can push this aside, where's the president been? It's been since Thursday that we've seen his face. So he's in some sort of hiding. And or plotting. Well, no, I mean, the other option, I mean, he's conspicuously absent, for sure, for somebody who likes being on television and has done that every day of his presidency. But is it possible that he's behind the scenes doing something other than hiding? Oh, he is clearly a brilliant political strategist planning these intricate moves. No, I think it's fair to ask the question about whether he's so embarrassed and knows that he will face questions about losing an election or forced to justify the, you know, the, the BS lawsuits here and he doesn't have good answers for it. It really is interesting that he lacks the conviction to come out and talk about this publicly or the energy. Well, he either lacks the conviction or the energy. Uh, Let's go to CNN's Joe Johns live at the White House for an update on all this. Joe. That's right, John. The outgoing president has been missing in action. We haven't seen him for the last several days, though he has made clear on social media that he continues to refuse to accept the results of the election. Well, President Trump is hiding from reality behind the White House walls and refusing to concede his defeat. President-elect Joe Biden is moving. And then I could play just a gem of a soundbite of... Joe Scarborough saying, I'm never coming back to the GOP party because they're supporting Trump's bogus claim of a rigged election. And I, I've said it on the show, and it's, it's rather crude, but it's a true point. The moment he stuck his dick in Mika... Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty much over for the GOP, dude. 
you're you're gonna do what your chick says. So, election ugliness. This is this is um, thirty minutes of sound bites, and it's really good. Even before the states have been officially called an election night, lefty journalists began dancing on Donald Trump's grave. Anchor Cooper called him a beast turtle. Uh, Richard Engel toppling a dictator. Uh, Malcolm Brown, a level of fanaticism I've only seen in cult groups in the Middle East and terrorist groups. Yeah. So, of course, the Engel is one of the ones they covered and we played it on the show. I'm going to play it and another show as a music break of the ugly stuff they did, which surprisingly surmounted the ugly stuff they did for four years. There's a euphoria, a jubilation in this nationwide block party. Didn't play this one. I played a version of it, but it was rampant. Eugene Robinson, a fall of a dictator. America's saved, said Thomas Friedman. Trump has founding fathers rolling in their graves. Jim Acosta. Uh, flailing like obese turtle. Pained by Trump's undermining of democracy. Gloria Bulger. Geo says, says, fuck no to unity and moral fabric of the country. John Berman. Republicans equal biggest threat to our democracy since the Civil War. Cuomo. Will GOPers come back to planet Earth like good boys and girls? Jake Tapper. Biden saved the republic and ending the long national nightmare. Pretty much everybody. Relief for def- defeating racist president. Jake Tapper said that. I didn't get that one. Trump made America a nastier place. Van Jones. Really? Have you looked at your side? Never forget, Trump supporters are the enemy. Trump era of cruelty and meanness is coming to an end. Tapper. Trump voters have a Middle East terrorist level of fanaticism. Malcolm Nance. Depressed that Trump didn't lose in a landslide. Joy Reid. Selfish whiteness animates Trump's core supporter. Eddie God. Trump castrates the facts. Nor O'Donnell. America decides election. Okay, it, this is so disturbing. It's because the message that says supporters. This is why people are boarding up the stores. Gail King. Yeah, that was the reason. Disgusting. Reed attacks Uncle Tom Clarence Thomas. As they see it and decree it. The role of declaring a winner of the presidential election falls to the media. Trump caravans like Hitler's paramilitary group, Steve Schmidt, angry at despicable un-American Trump voters, Sonny Houston. And then right off the bat, this is CNN with the chief who said, elections are rigged, listen to the giddy. David Challey and the president-elect is doing stuff already. I mean, he appointed Ron Klain as his chief of staff, named Ron Klain as his chief of staff. That's significant. Obviously, Ron Klain has vast Washington experience, and he is hugely respected by people on both sides of the aisle. You know, we, overnight you had Hugh Hewitt and Elizabeth Warren 
both coming out with statements praising Ron Klain. That tells you something. <laughs> and I also think it sends a message that this is the first appointment being made by the president-elect. Well, yeah, for, for a couple different reasons. First of all, there's a 30-year history between Klain and Biden, obviously. This is a long-time Biden advisor showing uh, that the president-elect is, is relying on a, a, uh, a relationship with deep history and confidence and trust to lead up his team in the West Wing. Obviously, uh, Klain's experience as Ebola's during the Obama administration speaks to this moment uh, as well uh, with the pandemic that we're facing. And so coming out of the gate, uh, with this is your first announcement, uh, as you said, he does have sort of a, re a relationship and respect across the aisle. But I think it is more about uh, a totally trusted person, not new to the Biden world, who has uh, a mastery in pandemics and dealing with that from a government, federal government point of view and what can be done uh, is the Biden folks trying to say we're ready to govern on day one. We're ready to take over, irrespective of Donald Trump's desire not to concede. Yeah, Ron Klain, who said the election was rigged. But they don't vet anybody. And this is America today. We're, we're talking about their plans now. They never vetted them. They're not even having to ask them. But this, this is our media, CNN. In addition to mass spreading on camera during a work meeting, Tubin previously stalked colleagues demanding to fist her and met and seduced a junior employee at work, then impregnated her and tried to force her to get an abortion. If he gets to play the victim here, I'm done. He got fired by the New Yorker, but not CNN. Once his impregnated co-worker refused to get an abortion, he offered to pay to have her inseminated by another sperm daughter. She declined his generous offer and had his baby. Then Tubin refused child support. These are out in the open, but he he's, he's a good guy. They haven't fired him. There's no shame in the game. All right. None of it. Ben Rhodes. It will take a generation to undo the damage that Facebook has done to America, democracy, and discourse. The fact that the leading source of information in America is a profit algorithm-driven cesspool of disinformation and hate speech has to be addressed through regulation. They're never stopping. As reported, three... 111, 11 edits, 311. They labeled just conservatives. Instagram put a note on a Veterans Day post saying he lost the election. But yeah, to other bias. Time commemorates cover, time to heal. We covered it last time. What was the 2017 cover? The Kremlin. We find out Meacham was writing speeches. More people released. On MSNBC, spokesperson confirmed that Barbara McQuaid and Richard Stingle will no longer be paid contributors after both announced being part of Biden's team so basically pretty much everybody from cnn and msnbc which is why they're doing this are trying to get jobs with the administration that's that's our our media 
After being fired by MSNBC, Meacham turns to time to boost Biden. My views on President Biden are no secret. I'm a friend of his. He and I have long been in conversation in history and that the American past could tell us about the future. In March, I endorsed him for president in print, and I spoke at the DNC convention this year. And as a historian and professor, I helped contribute to a few of his major speeches. And it goes on to say he's the greatest thing ever, but we're not going to talk about his policies, because why would we? We're just prepping the terrain. WAPO. Analysis. Job growth will be slow during a Biden presidency. The easy gains are almost gone. But you can guarantee the moment it happens, and he is sworn in, well, we're still dealing with Trump. Obama dealt with Bush for eight years, and that was an excuse to the shit-ass media. Eight years. But Bush... Media is not covering. Black Lives Matter. We invested heavily in the election and we want something for our vote. That's why you have Schumer. That was an overwhelming referendum by the American people. It should move things in our direction. Pelosi, America gave us a mandate. They lost seats. Maxine Water, Biden win is the dawn of a new progressive era. Really? Not happening. AOC is going after Manchin trying to get his ass and destroying from within. But the narrative will go forward. Biden's a great guy. He's the shit. Yet somehow, some way, I'm just going to move this forward. They don't have to really explain any of their policies. One of the members of your coronavirus task force, um, Michael Osterholm, he's an expert on infectious diseases. We have him on CNN uh, all the time. Uh, He said that a four to six week lockdown of the country might not be a bad idea if the government could step in and pay uh, all the shopkeepers and uh, others who need the, the revenue that they would lose. Um, is that something that President-elect Biden is considering, a four- to six-week lockdown? Well, I think he laid out very clearly across the course of the campaign the things that he wants to do to get the virus under control, including uh, encouraging national mask mandates, including providing resources to small businesses and schools to ensure that they can open safely. He laid out really comprehensive plans to get a national testing infrastructure in place to ensure that we're testing and, and working to keep people uh, uh, you know, who've been exposed from spreading the virus further. So he's put forward his own plans that uh, are going to get the virus under control and are going to get the economy moving again. Um, obviously, he is listening to uh, to the very best advice from scientists, from doctors. Again, you saw him announce his, his COVID task force this week. Uh, and he's going to be informed by the, the best expertise and public health expertise out there. But, uh, you know, he's going to move forward on the plans that he laid out in the campaign uh, that people overwhelmingly voted for in this country. But what does that mean? No plans for uh, a lockdown, but that could change. Uh, I mean, he's on the Michael Osterholm's on the task force. There are steps that we can take now. Again, encouraging people to wear masks. We've seen study after study shows that people wearing masks inhibits the spread of the virus. That's a really important step that everybody can take uh, starting now to try to inhibit the spread of the virus. So there are things that Joe Biden has put forward that will make a difference. 
uh, and that he's focused on. Now, of course, is he taking advice? Is he hearing from the best, uh, you know, public health experts uh, who are advising him? Of course, and he's taking that into account. But he's put forward really aggressive plans uh, that he intends to, to implement in order to get the virus under control. I want you to take a listen to House Minority Leader Kevin. Let's talk about COVID because the numbers are, they're not just ticking up, they are jumping. They are surging uh, across the country. Is a national lockdown uh, a possibility under President Biden? Well, Jim, let me tell you this. It is President-elect Biden's every intention and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris's intention to shut down the virus, not the economy. And the way that we do that is by wearing a mask, social distancing, by doing everything that we can to mitigate the spread. You know, Jim, uh, I have been watching the news on this network and others, mm -hmm. and the map from coast to coast right now is red. So, there, yeah. you know, the virus isn't distinguishing between red states and blue states. It is affecting us all collectively every single state so it's imperative frankly that we do everything we can and we know that wearing a mask I've got my mask right here Jim wearing yeah. a mask is the one of the best things we can do to mitigate the spread of this virus no question I do want to clarify though on a national lockdown because as you know Michael Osterholm uh, who, who is going to advise who's going to be on uh, the president-elect's task, task force has already been announced he brought that up then others in the campaign said no that's not on the table to, to be clear is a national lockdown on the table for, for uh, President Biden to be clear, Jim, President, uh, President-elect Biden, it's his intention to shut down this virus, not the country. And the okay. way we go about doing that is wearing a mask, mitigating the spread. Uh, you know, in March of 2020, President-elect Biden, then candidate Biden, put out a plan on what he would do to uh, to mitigate and fight COVID-19. And with the with the announcement of the COVID-19 task force today for the transition, pardon me, earlier this week, what that task force is going to be doing is going to operate operationalize the plan that the Biden-Harris campaign put together yeah. to make it a plan for the Biden-Harris administration. Understood. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the upcoming Biden. How effective can these policies be state by state in the absence of a federal mandate? You know, they're going to have some limited impact, but let me just come back to a point, because this has been, I think, a very confusing issue, and that is lockdowns. If I interviewed 50 people today in the U.S. for what they define a lockdown as, I could get 75 different answers. And I think that one of the challenges has been that there, there really is an understanding of what a lockdown is all about. We talk about the pain and suffering of the virus, but the pain and suffering to the economy and what it does. You know, I'd refer everyone back to an op-ed piece in early August that Neil Kashkari, the president of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank, and I did in the New York Times. Number one, we predicted what we, where we'd be right now. We, we said this would happen if we did nothing different. Number two is that when you look at the personal savings rate in this country, it's now gone from about 8% to over 22%. We have a big pool of money out there that we could borrow. At the historic low interest rates by the federal government, we could pay for a package right now to cover the, all of the wages, lost wages for individual workers, for losses to small companies, to medium-sized companies, yeah. for cities, states, county governments. We could do all of that. If we did that, then we could lock down for four to six weeks. And if we did that, we could drive the numbers down like they've done in Asia, like they did in New Zealand and Australia. And then we could really watch ourselves cruising into the vaccine availability in the first and second quarter of next year yeah. and bringing back the economy long before that. Well, Doctor, I really want... I mean, this claim guy, 
On COVID-19, if you want to do something useful today, go to Chinatown, buy a meal, go shopping. The virus attacks humans, not people of any ethnicity race. Fear is hurting Chinese-American-owned businesses. Baselessly, let's fight the disease and let's fight prejudice. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna vet any of that. That's not gonna be vetted. Why why would we vet? Why would we vet anything? They're Democrats. They're for America. They're good people. You are pieces of fucking filth. You're all just racist pieces of shit because you don't see the world like us. Like Oregon, strippers of color only eligible for federal COVID relief funds. You white strippers, just go down and suck a dick in an alley because you don't rate. Which brings us to our This is America, and as it's always been, it's COVID. Lightfoot explains BLM events okay, but fuck your Thanksgiving. Governor says don't talk too loud during Thanksgiving. CNN recount could make us have another 9-11. And FBI agent McCabe said, yeah, I'm the liar. I was part of the coup. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. Go ahead. One of the reasons people feel frustrated or skeptical is they're getting a lot of mixed messages. What do you say to those who are criticizing you where less than a week ago you went out and stood before a massive crowd who was celebrating um, Joe Biden's victory and now you're saying your city has to shut down? How do you have one and not the other? Well, look, I, I, I think that we've been saying all along everybody has to take care, everybody has to take precaution. I will tell you in that big crowd a week ago we had everybody was wearing masks. Look at you can see the shot here. Um, mask compliance in our city is actually up very, very high. But yes, there are times when we actually do need to have a relief and come together. And I felt like that was one of those times. That crowd was gathered whether I was there or not. But this has been a super hard year on everyone. Everyone feels traumatized. They feel um, threatened their safety um, and they don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and with this new surge in cases we have just got to step up and do the right thing and I think people understand that you know we know a lot more Stephanie than what we knew back in the spring we've got a lot more data we understand better on how this virus spreads back in the spring when we issued these blanket stay-at-home orders it was because we really didn't understand where the risk was so we were trying to mitigate it everywhere we now have a lot more data, and we can use a surgeon's knife and not just a blunt instrument uh, to try to really go at 
where we're seeing the biggest risk and help mitigate them. And for us right now, the biggest risk that we're seeing in our city is in these private spaces and gatherings. So we want to support um, our economy as best we can, but we've got to do the things that we know are necessary to save lives. And loud settings. The louder you speak, if you're singing, uh, if you're playing darts, standing next to someone in a crowded bar and you're yelling back and forth, it seems like these things shouldn't be as risky or elevated. What we've seen is, is that they do do that. And then, of course, alcohol, lowers inhibitions, um, social distancing, night wears on. I want to be clear. Um, it's certainly not our intention to, uh, to demonize any industry or any activity. It's simply important for us to understand what we know eight months into this, what spreads this thing, who gets it and is more likely to spread it, what's happening with asymptomatic spread, and what is our most targeted approach, our, our most surgical way of looking at reducing these things, all again to make sure we don't overwhelm the hospital system, we don't underwhel overwhelm the staffing that's at those, and we buy ourselves that time towards we get to a, uh, a vaccine. So here's what we're going to do today. We came to you early on and, and pledged to put out the data. We have probably one of the most transparent dashboards in the nation around where information is. We've turned our dials. We're going to have to turn them back a little bit today, and, um, and that's what we're going to do. By being able to use that more uh, targeted approach, um, it lets us keep those activities open both from an economic standpoint, a well-being standpoint, the things we like to do standpoint, but targets very specifically ways that we think we can slow this spread. Um, I would also note that one of the things that will coupled with this is, again, if we want to know who has this, we need to be able to provide testing on a wide scale. And yesterday's announcement was one more addition to that with all of our partners. Minnesota's uh, depth and breadth of testing probably puts us amongst the top states in the country and we built in the capacity that we controlled our testing by having the labs here so we're going to have the ability to do this and i would ask if, and we saw this yesterday with our new lab in at the civic center in minneapolis we'll have 11 opening up at armories across the state we're trying to eventually get it where you can take the kit home send it back and have an answer in 24 to 48 hours if you're 18 to 35, you're feeling healthy, you've done a lot of things right, but you just want to know because you want to protect your family, you want to protect your neighbors, um, almost all Minnesotans are now within 30 minutes of two options to test. And again, this is barrier-free, pain-free, cost-free. Um, go in there, get it done, get a result, then let's start uh, moving. So what we're going to do is... A uh, limit of 10 person for indoor gatherings and outdoor gatherings. That just allows the, the two together to, to align. Three households or less, including the host. You mix more households, obviously it just adds a whole other dimension, um, meaning you've got uh, two brother-in-laws and, and, and the two sisters-in-laws and yourself. You can bring them in, but I think, again, I keep coming back to this. You have to social distance. You have to wear a mask, and you have to recognize just because they're family and just because you know them, you've not eliminated the risk. And then effective, this will go into effect at 10 p.m. On, on this Friday. We need to move now. This has happened incredibly quickly. You saw the stories of hospital systems around us that are already overwhelmed. We are still in a position to be able to handle this. There is going to be a lag time. This is the wave already breaking on the shore. What we're able to do is, is to shore up a little bit to push back after this one breaks for the next one that will come. Um, receptions and similar events. We're going to do a phased-in approach. Um, I, I, again, just to be clear, weddings and funerals, 
these are hugely important human activities, and, and it is incredibly painful not to do them. But what we're seeing is um, not the actual ceremonies involved in this, but the social gatherings afterwards. And this is a phased approach because, to just to be candid with you, some of you have planned your wedding for six months or longer. You've planned it since we made some of those changes. Um, our intention is not to make that difficult for you. It's to make that day special without having it marked by an outbreak of COVID or the problems that come with it. So we'll go to a 50-person limit on the 27th, 25-person uh, limit. And then these events will not happen from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And there's no change in actual weddings, funerals, other similar ceremonies. Um, only those things connected with that reception or the celebration piece where food and beverage and those types of things are served. Um, and again, we're not just randomly targeting these things. The data shows that a bunch of our outbreaks are coming from these types of activities. Again, no ill intent by the people involved, but this is how COVID-19 works. Um, bars and restaurants, indoor and outdoor capacity of 50%, no more than 150 people. Counters are closed for seating and service unless counter service only. Patrons need to be seated at tables. No bar games um, that require standing is permitted. Um, and again, I just like to say, I, I've got a 19-year-old who went back and, and, and watches kind of an old movie classic, and, and I feel like the guy in Footloose, um, no dancing, no fun, no whatever. Uh, that is not my intention. My intention is to keep you safe so that you can all dance a lot longer and but you talk about the steamrolling of norms by this president even go going out of office as, as something that will, will or could do, quote, lasting damage to both the stature of the presidency and the institutions of democracy. Yes or no, are the actions that the president is taking now putting this country in danger? Clearly, it's not great for our democracy. Okay. It's fair. Uh, let's put some teeth on that, if we can, for a moment, because there are sitting members of Congress who were around in their positions at the time of 9-11. And the 9-11 Commission report specifically cited the shortened transition after the 2000 election for having an impact on national security. I'm quoting here, it hampered the new administration in identifying, recruiting, clear, clearing, and obtaining Senate confirmation of key appointees. The, the fact is, we have experience for how shortened transitions make a difference in national security. Why, why are we hearing from Republicans uh, about that, granting that potential danger? I mean, you're absolutely right. The 9-11 Commission, in a situation very analogous to this, where the General Services Administration would not certify the winner mm -hmm. and therefore delayed uh, access by the president-elect to intelligence briefings and early pre clearances for classified information, they said that that was one of the reasons that may have led to 9-11, and we're going to be doing basically the same thing because they're not allowing the Biden, President-elect Biden, to have access to these resources. I can't explain why some Republicans are acting this way. Maybe they don't understand the implications. It's a very dangerous the former deputy director of the FBI says he should not have pursued the warrant for surveillance on a key member of the 2016 Trump team. That admission by Andrew McCabe today came during a Senate hearing on the Russia collusion investigation. Chief Congressional Correspondent Mike Emanuel shows us what happened. Okay, the question is who's responsible. Are, 
I am certainly responsible as a person in a leadership position. Former FBI Director Andrew McCabe on the hot seat in front of a Senate panel, digging into the origin of the Russia probe, including surveillance of a then-Trump campaign aide. If you knew then what you know now, would you have signed the warrant application in June of 2017 against Carter Page? Uh, no, sir. The Justice Department's internal watchdog found the FBI's request for surveillance of Carter Page contained numerous factual errors. But McCabe insists the FBI did not open a case because it liked one candidate in the 2016 campaign and disliked the other. We opened a case because it was our obligation and our duty to do so. We did our job. President Trump urged GOP members to be tough, writing, Republicans don't let Andrew McCabe continue to get away with totally criminal activity. What he did should never be allowed to happen to our country again. Fight for justice. The Judiciary Committee has also heard from former FBI Director James Comey, former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, and former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates about the FBI's actions. Prominent Democrats said it's time to move on. I think, Mr. Chairman, it's time to turn the page on Crossfire Hurricane. It's time to stop relitigating issues of the last election. Chairman Graham defended digging in to this issue. You got to make sure that those involved in investigating campaigns have a even hand about it and that whatever biases they have don't seep into the system so that one candidate gets treated differently than the other. Graham criticized the FBI for taking what started as a bar conversation with George Papadopoulos and turning the country upside down for two and a half years. But when the CIA said Hillary Clinton had okayed a plan to link President Trump to Russia to take the heat off her, Graham says the Bureau... Well, damn it, I almost got under the three-hour. Kind of fucked that up. To our COVID stuff, and this shit is just, my God, um, after you read their quotes and stuff that I play, I mean, my God, they're just fucking hypocrites. But I truly believe it's all for intent to control the masses and they've been lying about this for so long they gotta do it for a while shamelessly new york times biden block parties covid safe but ball games deadly i'm not even gonna read it dc mayor there's nothing scarier than have a conversation with someone who doesn't have a mask on don't scare others Yet she traveled to Biden's acceptance speech because that's important and shit. Thanksgiving's canceled. Schools are closed. But Nancy Pelosi, big indoor dinner for new House members is totally safe. House Dems and GOP leaders are holding respective dinners for new members. Speaker told me it's safe. It's very spaced, she said. By the end, they went takeout only. Bill DiMazio admits his 3% positivity threshold on closing school isn't based on science. Mayor says parents should make a plan for their kids because schools could close as soon as Monday. The children of former Mexican drug lord Hocan El Chapo Guzman helped build a makeshift school for families who have no access to online classes during the pandemic in Guadalcanal, Mexico. De Blasio calls a 3% threshold effectively a social contract. It has been clear that conservative numbers was a way to pressure, reassure parents and teachers, not necessarily based on obvious scientific metrics, but science and shit. Cuomo, New York reports biggest one-day increase in coronavirus cases since April. 
So he decides to close gyms and restaurants at 10 p.m. and limit gatherings at private homes to 10 because science or something. Simultaneously in San Francisco, you can shit on the fucking street, but they're considering a $1,000 fine for smoking weed, which is legal, and tobacco in your apartment because it could go through vents or some shit. Chris Hayes. Right now, if you had an administration that cared one whit about protecting Americans, there would be a national coordinated message all over the place about making Thanksgiving virtual this year or outdoors where weather permits. But there is none because they don't care. Nick Searcy. Communists destroy the family because it conflicts with allegiance to the state. Thanksgiving is a family holiday. Democrats like Hayes hate America and holidays like Thanksgiving that celebrate it. The CCP and Democrats have joined forces to destroy America. Chris Hayes again. Joe Borelli. I'll be having more than 10 people at my house on Thanksgiving. My address is public record. Some family will come from New Jersey. Kids will see their grandparents. Cousins will play in the yard. Sis in the law will bring strawberry rhubarb pie. And a turkey will be overcooked. Chris Hayes? Honestly, don't know what to say. We all human be- we're all human beings with people we love that we want to see. But increasingly, the entire Republican Party has basically taken the side of the virus and are actively trying to spread it. Sam Valley. I wonder if Governor Cuomo and his brother Chris will be celebrating Thanksgiving. Bet you won't report that. No one bloom. But what objective metrics, what, 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 what objective metrics are Andrew Cuomo's guidelines somehow definitive? Ten people? How big is his house? Does his family get tested? Go suck a dick. Prashib Shakur. Not a conservative. Dems allowed throngs of people in the street without a peep last week. Talk about selective outrage. Something extremely bogus going on. Here's Elon Musk, which I wanted to play in the Tucker, but I can't get it. He took four tests. Two tests were positive. Two were negative. He was crushed by an MSNBC journalist, journalist, Kyle Griffin. Such an irresponsible tweet. Thankful Ginger, Mr. Griffin, this isn't irresponsible because Elon Musk tweeted about irregularities with the COVID test today. Shouldn't a journalist want to investigate this? I want to know why and how companies plan to fix it. NBC News producer, not interested in potential errors in COVID testing. RBE pundit, it's irresponsible to tell people facts. And another person, how the fuck is this irresponsible? And then my favorites reports to do, because I said this was going to happen. In the beginning of the show, I had a lot of cheesy, stupid things like motherfucker of the day. And I should bring that back out now that we're in the Biden is God and you all need to shut your clam holes. But I used to play Tony Reid was right. And once again, boys and girl, I said because the bar has been lowered so far. Democrat cities have done whatever the fuck they want. Democrats and the media have supported following laws that we like or we dislike or whatever. Mississippi governor, we will refuse to participate in any kind of COVID-19 lockdown. South Dakota, 
we also will refuse to destroy our economy for an unscientific lockdown. Boys and girls, there's so much data that shows the lockdowns did absolutely nothing but actually infect people, cause suicides, and have people die of unrelated injuries and then be counted as COVID deaths. Right now, I have a five-inch hernia. How I got it, I don't know. I had to do a virtual phone call. I then have to go get an ultrasound and get tested before I come in. I have to go get tested again for a surgeon's appointment on Tuesday. And then God knows what's going to happen when I get the operation because nobody can visit me or be in the building with me. They have turned the hospital into a quarantine zone. It took me six hours of my life to get lisinopril and Prilosec, my two prescriptions. Because you got to go there to activate it, and then you got to come back a different day to get it. And then our last thing, which this guy's a liberal, but I think he's a smart liberal, and I think he knows there is no fucking way This election wasn't fucking fishy. So Mark Cuban tweeted this. For those considering donating to reps or Dems in the Georgia Senate runoff, can you please reconsider and donate that money to your local food bank? An organization that can help those without food or shelter. Let's put American need above politics. John Legend. Three tweets. Melissa cancel student debt. This one's a good one. Cubans telling people to protect Republican incumbent instead of fighting to ensure we get a Democratic Senate. A Dem Senate would enable us to pass COVID relief and more. Take note of how wealthy people behave. Miko Albin, written from a place of privilege and blindness. Because you're white. Oh, my God. Rebecca Farney. Oh, we could tax Mark more. Do you have billions? You give it. Oh, my God. Don't Republicans say that? We're crushed for it. If Republicans retain the Senate, there's almost zero chance we'll see COVID-19 go away because they spread it. Leah Drogan, this is why Dems don't win. Regardless of the efficiency of political donations impact on winning, the short-sightedness of this thinking is extreme. Dem Senate able to pass further stimulus and social safety nets. Blah, 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 blah. No, no. You'd be now. But because we don't vet anything the left says, does, how many people they fucking fist and impregnate, that's a journalist, we won't approve one. They'd approve a a fucking stimulus, but you wanted a billion dollars for illegals. Not American people. You wanted vote-in ballot nationwide so you can cook the fucking election and win every goddamn seat. Which is appears what you did with Dominion. You didn't want to take care of American people. Nancy Pelosi's on the record. I'm not letting him hand out a check with his name on it. So, I think what Mark Cuban actually said is probably true. Because the best you can hope for, libtards, is one. You're not winning both seats. It's not happening. You're going to win one. The GOP is going to win one. And it's going to be 51-49.
the way it's going to be. But with the ability of your base to cancel, beat, kill, burn, loot, and an embassy of fucking mainstream media that supports any stupid fucking shit you guys come up with, the right's going to buckle on a lot of stuff. Hell, they would have already buckled on immigration, but you didn't want them to have a win under Obama. Which brings me to my closing point. We have major issues, and it goes beyond the media. When I talk to people who vote for Biden about any issues, they have no fucking clue what that guy stood for. And more and more it's coming out in the open that people are like, I wouldn't have voted for that. But we allowed a media establishment, the fucking military CIA, to do fucked up shit. Nobody in the media reported why he fired the Secretary of Defense. But now we know because he lied to the commander in chief. And we're going to flip this shit around. And now you can't criticize the president's policies. If you disobey the president's policies... You'll have to fire that person or they'll burn his fucking house down and murder his family and his dog. And just like clockwork, they're doing it. They're putting out puff pieces. They're supporting gun confiscation. They're doing everything simultaneously, just like I said, their mob is out in the street beating people. Now, I don't have a short memory. I might forget things I put like five minutes ago where I put my keys or something like that. But I remember in 2016, people getting beaten, egged and fucked up at Trump rallies and the media blaming Trump people for just being Trump people. Now, what happened last night was worse than I'd ever seen. The amount of beating throwing whatever's in the liquid we went to woke net thank you matt in oregon and literally watched a girl talk about what you could put in there and you can make it a solution it'll be just like acid it won't scar them for life but it'll fuck them up and she was given a class on youtube but prager you gets pulled and everybody posting tucker carlson got pulled off the internet that's hate speech prager you and tucker carlson that's basically a starter kit, and a pathway to white supremacy. These people are fascists. They are the definition of fascists, and you can see it with all this COVID stuff. They're chomping at the bit to take over the country, lock you in your fucking house, take your fucking gun, get rid of your fucking police, make every illegal legal, open up the border and flood the zone with forever Democrat voters, get rid of the filibuster, get two new states, get rid of the electoral, all while you're stuck in your fucking house. And I say to anybody that voted for that because you hated Trump, just like I've argued with everybody, at least under Trump, he couldn't do crazy. He was obnoxious. But if he took a dump with too much corn in it, it was in WAPO. 
we now know nothing. And yeah, I cover the fraud. Nothing's going to happen. They just keep going to other judges. Who see Trump as a Nazi and an existential threat. Somehow, a computer system that flips a percentile in the code to the opposite voter was found in 2018 and was a problem. Now, it's not a problem now because it benefited us. So, my little thing that I'm saying to people, Georgia's going to work out. We're going to get one. But what you need to do as a patriot, as a person who loves this country and just wants it to stay the same, not become the socialistic states of America where Democrats tell you how to fucking eat, you need to start writing your congressman. Dominion needs to go away, and it's in 28 states. And you can just do a quick little research. 2018, it was a problem for the media and progressives because they were scared of Bernie winning. And if half the shit I played is true, and they adapted this CIA program to steal other countries' elections... Well, that needs to go away like the bathwater like yesterday. Yeah, maybe it won't change the 80-some-odd million votes that somewhere came from someplace. But all along, I've said the same thing. If we don't get trust in the system, if our media doesn't start reporting the negative on the Democrats, the crooked shit that's going on, We're going to lose this country. Because once people don't trust the government completely, they don't trust their elections, they don't have fucking police, border security. I mean, these people think they're scared of some proud boys and some red staters marching in their capital, by the way, just like yours. Wait till they're really scared. As I said to a friend of mine's mom, this shit starts going south. We're selling everything and moving out in the sticks. And I'll barbed wire in my fucking whole house and we'll just sit here. Because I will not die because some mob showed the fuck up and believes I'm a Nazi racist Or whatever, because I put an American flag up or a Blue Lives flag. Yeah, not doing that. Not happening. I'm not turning over my guns. I'm not turning over my ammo. I will not bow to this shit. It's not happening. If you can release tens of thousands of people on gun crimes because they're black and you say it was racist under Obama well you're not going to come now and say that you get to take my shit just because I'm white and we're all racist or something alright lastly I'm thinking about taking the show on the road and by that I've asked Santa Mrs. Claus actually for a webcam and I'm thinking about doing one webcam podcast and one 
audio podcast. And by that, I'll still put out an audio format on SoundCloud, but I'll also revive my YouTube channel because I had one and I started putting those up there and I talked about getting a camera and this was 2015, 16 when I started this shindig and I just kind of stopped. So I'm thinking about doing it, letting you come on in the bunker. I'll probably do it like I used to jokingly do. Anybody used to follow the Facebook page. There were certain episodes where I'd put on a Kevlar helmet (laughs) and fucking buckle up and uh, have a backdrop of the theme of the day, yada, yada, yada. So I'm thinking about doing that. Um, I'd really like some, some freaking feedback on that. If you'd like to see it, not that you'd like to see me, I'm sure nobody out there really wants to see my dumb ass, but it would be nice to play the videos while we're talking about it. A lot less editing where I just play sound bites. We just rotate the camera to the freaking video and we all together dog dumbasses. think it'd be a good time. So if you think that's a good idea, uh, Send an email to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Give me some feedback. I'd really like to do it. Um, I think it'd be kind of fun. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Send comments to that email, foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down in Pocket Cast, and soon, YouTube. Remember, check out the Twitter account at FopTony. Read our next podcast is going to be the 18th of November year of our Lord 2020 could get pushed to the 19th. It's all dependent on my surgery appointment on Tuesday. And of course, if I get a surgery, well, we'll be down for a while because I, I won't be able to, my, my wife's not gonna let me do shit. She's not let me do anything right now. So, um, and then I, I really need to get two things in before I close this pig. Cause I forgot, um, well, really, one. This is from my son, Zach, in Tennessee. It's pretty funny. The real problem isn't who spends four to eight years in the White House. The real problem are those who spend 30 or four years, 30 or 40 years in the Congress. And we're going to do an episode coming up. We really need to work on term limits. So, as always, disconnect from all devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Make sure you spend time with your family. It's the holiday season. Put this politics shit away. Next week's Thanksgiving. We'll do a show, hopefully. Uh, well, I guess it's not next week, is it? It's the week after. Um, we'll do a show on the Sunday, the 22nd, for Thanksgiving. Um, physical capabilities, depending. And, uh, you know, enjoy your family. We already went out and decorated the whole nine yards. So, you know, get in the holiday spirit. I, I talk a lot of doom and gloom because of the Senate doesn't stay Republican. We're in a world of fucking hurt. But I got to believe more Americans are like us in the flyover than these pieces of fascist shit that are beating people in our nation's capital. Y'all take care. Tune back in Wednesday. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FopTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. 
Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down, the patriots of this country will never bow.